0: I don't know if we'll make it tonight. Past your bedtime. It is, man. I uh I really I start to fold. You see I've noticed you come alive. First of all you record late because you get Wait, a job. At- yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's a reference. Uh yeah, I start wilting after about five. I really fold.
1: What about your uh your crazy late nights out in the R V and everything? Oh uh, no, 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 no. No, I I don't get out much. I, I do. I really really like to sleep. I mean, I I really like to sleep. I used to be so good at sleeping back in back in the day, back in my youth. I was a champion sleeper. Really, I'd love to. I'd love to put a pit in that. Um, hmm. It sounds like you still are, because you say you really like it. So you must still be good at it. I'm terrible at it now. Well, you know, the more you love something, the worse you realize you are at it. You know, I um. You see, you've seen the real champion sleepers, and you realize you're nothing compared to them.
0: Oh my God! I swear to Christ! I, I get on a plane. I got to fly. That's one reason I'm a little stressed out. I got a lot to do. I got to go somewhere this week. And I swear, when I see somebody who gets on the, we talked about this, somebody who can get on the plane with a paperback book, stick it into the little disgusting uh, seat thing, and just go right to sleep, and they sleep for eight hours on on a freaking plane.
1: I'm thinking of champion sleepers, I was thinking like, uh, I don't know, cats. Oh, right, yeah. Babies, sometimes. I think in some ways that
0: was... I mean, I, I, I just want to be clear. There's nothing I went through, anything approaching what my wife went through. I mean, but I, the hardest part for me was the lack of sleep. I, I was after, by day three of having a kid, you know, because first of all, you, you got a pregnant lady and, and she's having trouble sleeping. It's stressful. You're saying, is the baby coming? Is the baby coming? So, like, you're already sleep deprived. Like, when you arrive at the hospital... They make you walk around, they check you in. So by the time the baby's born, you're already exhausted. And that's just the beginning.
1: I mean, I, everybody knows this, but I found that to be the most challenging part. I found the most challenging part trying to tell people stories about how exhausting childbirth was when you're a man. Yeah, it's it's hard to feel a lot of sympathy. Because nobody wants to hear that story. Like, I was up for forty hours, were you? How was that for you? Was that really tiring? <laughs> Did anyone come out of you at any point? No. <laughs> Oh, that must have been so hard for you. Oh, it's boy. Just, the a, chair the chair next to the bed was really uncomfortable, I bet.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you should try having a, a living, breathing, easy-to-die thing that insists on being attached to your chest for every conceivable moment of the day. hmm Yeah. You know, that's a funny thing. That, I mean, like, I think—who uh, was joking about this? Oh, I guess yeah, Stephen Frank. Uh, he just had a very cute kid. Yeah, I, I saw that tweet. I, I refrained from replying, but that's exactly what I was thinking. Of. Oh, exactly. Well, so, I mean, and on the one hand, this is great. So I guess, I don't know, I wonder when this started, but at some point, I guess, you know, more and more dudes finally copped and like were there for the process, for the whole thing. You know, you weren't just in the waiting room smoking cigarettes or like you're supposed to do in a movie.
1: That started in 1973,
0: right? Was that the year it started?
1: I think though. You was know, it.
0: people are hard on Nixon, but he did a lot of good stuff. He did the EPA only, only only Nixon can make sure their fold-away bed is inside a hospital room.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Also China. Uh, and so there's – and this happened – my wife was in the hospital. Oh, God, what a story. She was in the hospital last summer. I don't think I ever told you about that, did I? Did I ever tell you about that? I don't think so. Hmm. And uh, same situation. So you're, you're, your lady's going to have a baby, and you're the attending family member. And so there's something – in the room. So she's got a bed, a hospital bed, hooked up to all with the all the machines. Looks like she's in the matrix. And then you've got this thing to sleep on. And I am fairly certain that it is it's nice that there's something there, but it's almost always something that converts to a bed, which as you know is not a bed. Often it's a an uncomfortable chair <laughs> that turns into an extremely uncomfortable pseudo bed. And I think they make it uncomfortable on purpose. What do you think? I mean, just I for sympathy, kind of a,
1: for, for empathy, so you can, like, be in on the problem. I think it's like dorm furniture. You never, you ever, you know, the dorm furniture, you stole some dorm furniture, right? But uh, Oh, yeah, the, I've like, stolen a lot of stuff, yeah. The the dorm furniture always seemed like it was built not for its, for the qualities that make it a good piece of furniture, but merely for durability. So I was like, can kids destroy this? Right. Can we make it harder for them to destroy? The kind of thing you put in a student lounge, like something that's meant to fit in the room,
0: be not that expensive and be very durable
1: yeah like very thick wood you know legs and pieces and very thin cushions if you can call them that and so if you try to like drape your body across across it in some way like whether it's a couch or a chair or something like that there's no way to get comfortable and then the ones that actually convert into beds those are just flimsy those those are the opposite where it's like a, a thing that comes out of a fold-out couch but without the couch. right yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, I think about like when I used to stay over at my friend
0: Sam's house, I would sleep on this thing that he had in his room that was an uncomfortable chair. It was basically like uh two and a half couch cushions and a hinge. You know what I mean? Where you, you flip out the bottom thick cushion and it turns into like a disgusting bed that you sleep on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I've been in rooms like that. when I when I was sleeping in the room when my wife was in the hospital, it was it was just it was the worst. Because I mean, it had that, that same quality as the fold-out couch bed, where it's clearly been folded into a different position all day long,
1: and then at night it's like you're sleeping on two uncomfortable chairs. It was a Seinfeld episode about this, like so many other things. Wasn't oh yeah, that, with the, that with was, the bar. The bar. Oh, yeah. the bar. The bar is real. Oh man. Um, championship
0: sleepers. Oh, so that's the fun. Okay, so then so the 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 uh, the uh, icing on the cake is that like something somebody said when we were pregnant as as couples say that i've found to be true was the crazy thing about kids is you don't know a baby you, a newborn you don't know when it's going to fall asleep and when it does fall asleep you have absolutely no how no idea how long it will sleep and it could be 2 minutes and it could be 10 hours
1: well it's never was well, never 10 hours for us but but really? yeah no yeah no i i don't think the long i remember i remember distinctly like the first four-hour stretch of sleep that we had. It was, like, miraculous. So and it was four or five hours. Like, do you believe it? He slept for four or five hours. And that was several weeks
0: in. And you meet those people. I mean, there's so much envy involved in parenthood. You meet those people whose kids are like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, little uh, Anastasia helicopter goes down at exactly one fifteen every afternoon and sleeps till exactly 4.15 and then, you know, oh, she's super tuckered out by, you know, 6.15 and sleeps until 8 in the morning. And you're like, oh, God, what must your life be like? To know you can count on that time to do yeah. all the other
1: stuff you've got to do. We had a brief period like that between the ages of like 2 and 3 or 3 and 4 or something like that, where there was actually a regularly scheduled nap time that for the most part worked, but it was so brief. So brief, And then the naps went away. And you're like, no, come back, wait. I know. I miss the naps. Yeah. I'm not a nap person myself, but it was exciting to have a time during the middle of the day when the child would go away. Did
0: you ever try to be a nap person? Are you, Some people are very resistant to naps. Some people are resistant because they feel like it's lazy and slothful. Other people, I think they just feel like it doesn't
1: fit into their schedule. Have you ever tried to be a nap person? I'm not a nap person. and Never have been, never will be. And it's not for any of those reasons. It's only because you know, on the occasions where I've taken a nap either intentionally or not for when I wake up, I feel miserable. I feel like it's just the worst feeling in the world because I wake up and like, Oh, you know, maybe you take a nap from like one to three or something. Uh, And then I wake up at three and I feel like it should be tomorrow, but it's not. And I feel like I'm just walking through a giant, you know, tub of yellow jello for the rest of the day. And I can't function and I have trouble getting to sleep that night. And it just like, it destroys everything about, my entire day so i cannot i can't do naps i just can't oh that sucks i i slept for
0: probably 25 minutes this afternoon which is like a pretty good amount of time to just feel real screwed up and then you got that sleepy taste in your mouth all the rest of the day like you can tell you've been sleeping
1: yeah like seriously i wake up and like it messes with my sense of like what day it is uh, oh, yeah. or you know just how how am i it just it just feels like something is wrong and then like you wake up and then it starts getting dark and you're like, "Am I in the North Pole?" What is- I
0: know, I used I used to have a sense of like uh, sometimes like, occasionally like a sense of terror where I like fall asleep on the couch watching some dumb movie on TBS on a Saturday afternoon, in the in the wintertime and you wake up and it's dark and I would be like a little panicky
1: for a minute. Is it 7 a.m. or 7 p.m.? I don't know. Yeah, no, I never fall asleep accidentally for the most part. Maybe I will when I get old because my dad does. So that's my future maybe, but. Uh- <laughs> But yeah, like I I wouldn't take a nap intentionally and I don't unintentionally fall asleep. I'm absolutely 100% wide awake until the moment. The only time I ever find myself getting sleepy is if I am. This is the only way I can find out how tired I actually am is if I go read a book. That will actually make me feel like, oh, I'm drifting off to sleep now. But if I watch television show, I can I'm a night owl and I can I can watch TV for a tremendously long amount of time before it even occurs to me that I might possibly be tired so uh, I have to, make, to make myself stop. That's the worst. I have to stop doing
0: that because I know I need the sleep. And then I'll just do the dumbest thing in the world. I'll be sitting there and I'm in, I'm in that state of mind where I go, like, okay, usually this happens to me around a little before 10, like around a little bit before 10. I go, I have the thought, you know, you know, I should go to bed at some point. Wouldn't it be nice if I went to bed soon? And then I'll watch a movie. And it's like, what? What are you doing? I'll just I'll turn on a movie and start watching a movie, and I will watch a two hour movie starting at ten at
1: night. Oh no, that's not good. <sighs> Can't so do that. You don't ever fall asleep during movies at the theater? Nope. Don't fall asleep on in front of my television. Don't fall asleep in movie theaters. Like I said, the only place I I find myself my eyes starting to close is if I'm reading a book in bed. But I can watch movies. Mm-hmm. All night long, like until the sun comes up and then it will occur to me as so I have to stop myself from doing that and I would never start a movie at ten it's just the discipline I've had to get into from just
0: this is on the list know, we've so got early. to
1: cover this we've got to cover
0: media consumption I don't think we've adequately covered elements of your media consumption. We touched
1: on it a lot, but we should we should definitely put a right, put write that on the up, list yeah write it up in there i um although speaking of sleepy stuff, that's our other little oh, yeah. uh, little warm up topic here uh, yeah. about your dreams i i spoken to siri uh, on the drive to work today i think i'm so paranoid about siri trying to say reminders because i'm so so afraid it's going to try to do that thing where it puts it in a new list did you hear me complain about it on the atp i don't remember you i do i listen to every atp i don't remember you saying that It was like uh maybe it got cut out of the show it was like uh remind me to add uh merlin's dreams to the list of topics for reconcilable differences all I wanted to do was to make a reminder with something like that text in it. But it says, there is no list for a reconcilable <sighs> difference topics. Would you like me to create one? I'm like, no, just, just transcribe what I said, please. So I forget what I said. It was like, I gotta... anyway, whatever I said, Siri got it wrong, but it got the word Merlin enough. So I, I did find the reminder and I did put it in there. And you added the little Zs. I was trying to type emoji, but Chrome doesn't support emoji yet, right? I have to do it in text edit and paste it
0: in. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> gross. Yeah, I know. I just on that topic uh, that drives me crazy, and I feel like Siri and I have we'll have such a we have such an uneven relationship because you know not not to rehash too much here, but something I've I've said in a lot of places, a lot of times. Siri, of course, it was kind of garbage for a pretty long while. Then it got a fair amount better, and then at some point in the last few months, it got a lot better. But like I feel like our relationship is odd because things will go almost flawlessly for a while. And then suddenly, like in the last few days, maybe I'm delirious or something. I've been having trouble. And I find, I find that I have to sit there and look at the screen to make sure it got what I said, which somewhat defeats the purpose. And I, but then I'll get these things where, like, I, don't, I, I wonder if my kid is adding them or something. Like, I had one the other day. I think it said Derek Payton. It had, like, it had, like, a man's name. And I was trying everything I could to figure out what sounded like
1: what I said. So I was giving Siri too much credit the reminder it put down this morning was write something down about her own dreams. So I know I've got nothing about where, how I am pretty sure I put Merlin in there. I guess it got the word dreams out of what I was saying. Right. Anyway, it was enough to remind me. Yeah. But that's like, it's like the Apple TV thing where you hold down the little uh, speaker button on the remote and talk into it. I'm, I don't know what to say i don't know like the it's like you know going back to uh, radio zork or whatever i don't know i don't know the vocabulary of this text adventure i don't right, know what right. verbs and nouns i can use i don't know do i have to say show me or watch or put this thing on now or can i just say the title of the movie or oh, it's so terrible google does this so much better where you i can type things into the google search box like if google did this all they would have to do is do speech to text and because you can type almost anything in the google search box and it will figure out what the hell you meant that's ridiculous it's ridiculously fast and efficient Yeah, you know, we
0: can't get off on the Apple TV, but like, you know, okay, first of all, kudos as we record this today, uh, tvOS got updated to do a couple things that were big, you know, not showstoppers, but it added the ability to finally, (laughs) finally, um, use Siri for music, even though according to Jason, it's a little bit dodgy. And finally, it's added back the remote functionality, which I am so glad has happened.
1: It really burns me that they added back the remote functionality and it's After. so clear. No 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 it's it's not just that, but like it's so clear that to add the remote functionality, they didn't even have to update the remote app.
0: I bet they had to add no no the apps yeah exactly, exactly. You just had to add a couple lines of code in Apple TV. Well,
1: I don't know what they had to add to the TV, but the whole point is like it was all like you could say, well the new Apple TV is so divorced from the old remote that they're never gonna work together. Nope, it turns out all like you had to do is make a, you know, make the Apple TV basically have an endpoint for Talking to the uh, remote app, and that was all you needed to do, yeah, a month after I spent all that time, but i don't know something I, I, I don't know if it's me i don't know if I need to recharge my
0: remote is, doesn't it give you a does it a ding you if your remote is low on power doesn't it tell you
1: i haven't seen a warning yet, so i'm assuming i'm not low on power but it, but it does do that doesn't it? I hope so, I would assume so
0: yeah, I mean like when I pair it with my Bluetooth headphones, it you know I get the battery signal anyway uh but like i don't know maybe it's me, but uh in the last week or two. My Apple TV has started to suck ass. It's like, it's like, for example, like all, there's all the usual stuff that drives everybody crazy that everybody's talked about, you know, the the weird scrubbing issues. But like, here's one is that first of all, it is redonkulously oversensitive to even, you know, as always to even a glancing touch, which is, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it's frustrating. But then on the other hand, do you get it where it's just not responsive? We're going, you're trying to scrub, you you move it back and forth, up and down. You can't, you can't get the, you know, the little pop down Chrome thing where it says like, oh, here's what you're watching, subtitles and all that stuff. It mm-hmm. won't go away. Have you got, I, I get this very frequently where I'm, I'm like holding it. I, I look like an old man because I'm an old man. I'm pointing, <laughs> I'm pointing it at the screen and I'm making my thumb do motions on it. And I'm actually, you know, pointing it like, even though I don't need to point it. Yeah. And, and it's very unresponsive.
1: No, I mean, I guess we don't use ours that much because at this point the kids are conditioned to use Netflix through the TiVo instead, even though I think the Apple TV app right. is better. So I only really use Apple TV to play iTunes purchases. I think what else I've used it on, And occasionally to show a YouTube thing, but, like, I got out of the habit of using Apple TV. Every time I used it, it's been more or less fine, It'll, except for, you know, accidentally touching the touchpad and picking the remote up the wrong way and doing all the other things. Lots of people posting on Twitter today the... Uh, The trick of putting a rubber band around. Yeah, that's what I uh, did. I I put a pink pink rubber
0: band on the bottom. Yeah, but uh, which my kid keeps taking off. But you know, the the two things, two of the things that used to drive me nuts are are still there. Which is, I don't know about you, but mine takes. I'm going to be conservative. I think it takes at least ten, possibly fifteen, and maybe even more seconds to wake from sleep. Where, I mean, the TV does not take that long to turn on. My CEC is still working. But it takes a long time to wake from sleep. And it still takes a crazy long time, sometimes, to stream iTunes store content. Do you get this?
1: I got a scare the other day when, what was I playing? I was playing a a rental. It was a movie that we should have just bought because I think we've rented it. as a holiday movie. We rented it two times now, last Christmas and this Christmas. And I didn't know that until I rented it again, and it said, "You, you rented this before? Are you sure you want to rent again?" Oh, I like I like that feature though. Yeah, that's good. But anyway, it's too late now. Whatever sunk cost fallacy. Um, <laughs> so when I did that, it said, "Do you want to watch it now or watch it later?" I said, "Watch it now," and it said like something about like your movie will begin in 29 days. And, <laughs> oh, you're kidding! And I said, "That's not a good sign." Uh, you know, of course, this you know this is for kids, right? So the kids are want to watch the movie. I'm like. Please let the be a lie. Please let it be a lie. And like five seconds later, the movie started playing and there was no problems. That's the closest I've come to having any kind of problem like that. Okay, I'll give you one. And I'm going to speak unusually
0: candidly here. Uh, there are a lot of things that we actually do buy on the iTunes, iTunes store for a premium. So like, for example, I'm doing that new show with Max about Top Chef. So I went ahead and bought the whole season of Top Chef. There's a lot of shows where we buy the season or we do buy for like two ninety nine per. I still have various systems that ensure that I get copies of things when they're available. But, you know, uh, even for stuff that I buy, because, you know, whatever, belt and suspenders. My wife and I sit down. I'm like, hey, do you want to watch the uh, – she she hadn't seen Top Chef yet. So it's like, let's go watch Top Chef. So I go to my duly authorized and paid for version of Top Chef on the Apple TV. I bring it up, and I didn't get – what was yours? How many days? 29 days. <laughs> I, I got a much more conservative, it'll be 40 minutes until this starts. This is with four megs down. And uh, I know you get Fios, but like (laughs) you could get a lot in 29 days. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I got the 40-minute thing. I was like, okay, fine. Let's go to the copy that fell off a truck. And we started watching that. And it started playing. And we were maybe mm, 8, 10 minutes into it when we get a pop-up that pauses the video that says, (laughs) your episode of Top Chef is now ready for viewing. Mm -hmm. That's like... And then the other thing, I you know I should get off this, but I'm curious about your opinion on this, like because uh, I know you think about this. I feel like I know you think about this, and I feel like you notice this, the changes in, I don't know what the exact word, the not workflow. It's not a workflow, not UX, but like basically the paths. So it used to be that when you went into an app and then you went out of the app, it always take you back to like the top level. And now, like, menu doesn't mean what it used to mean. Now menu means different things, I think, in more, more so than before. It means different things in different places. Do you find it more confusing in terms of when you jump back into an app where you were? Do you find it confusing
1: to get around where you are? Do, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I feel, well, first of all, I'm, t- still, I'm still using the Apple TV as if it's the old thing, as if there is no app switching or or, you know anything like that is if it's like a single purpose device we want to do a particular activity we go into we do it and when we're done we turn the thing off so there's not a lot of switching around but i have found myself inside applications not quite sure where i am in the navigation hierarchy and how to how to get backwards i mean i guess it's you always just sort of hammer on the menu button in theory if you just keep hitting that menu button eventually you go all the way back to the home screen or something but a lot of times like, was like, how do I go back to search? Where is search? And then I find myself doing what you're doing, like blindly swiping upwards, hoping that off the top of the screen, there's some invisible menu with the word search or a magnifying right. glass icon that will tell right. me how to, you know, as opposed to going menu, 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 and hoping on the, like the main screen of whatever app I'm in, then there'll be something I can search. Like, it's, this is, I guess it's up to the individual applications, but I don't think there's like sort of a solid visual and functional vocabulary for, for navigation on the Apple TV. It's really the wild west. Yeah. Um,
0: well, like when you're inside, so one of the ones that gets me is if I turn it on and then like I'm, so I'm inside, let's say I end up, I open up like say iTunes TV, right? And I go in there and let's say I I, I was on a page for something, a detail page for a TV show. It's not that visually different from the results of a search, first of all. So that that's a little bit confusing, but in that instance now... So I have to kind of reorient myself for where I am. So the thing is, when you hit the menu button, sometimes it's up, sometimes it means up, sometimes it means back, and sometimes what you really need—that's not obvious—is as you say to scroll up to find the menu to kind of discover like where you are. And that's that sense of that sense of where you are is not super clear. And I think in some ways, <laughs> I continue to feel like Plex might be one of the best apps on Apple TV because it I. I it is much easier to find where I am in Plex than if I'm trying to navigate the world of TV shows. Like what's, you know, how do I get to the latest season? Bug it, 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 right, 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 right. You know, and I feel like I I I don't know. I, don't, I'm, I know I'm not the uh, sharpest knife in the drawer, but I, I think that there's there's some room for improvement.
1: Yeah, uh, the, I my artistic is like, can my kids navigate it and they can't really. Like they're worse at navigating it than I am. I think Your, your daughter was,
0: was getting real frustrated with it, right?
1: Yeah, well, eventually I think she got used to it, but more or less. But it's just frustrating when when something that they used to know how to use now they don't know how to use. And their their kids they're easily frustrated. But I think that the thing that's still easiest to use is the stupid DLNA client that's built into my TV that pulls up the folders that are being served up by my NAS in the basement. Yeah, and I have it's it's like movies and TV are the top level folders, and you go into movies and it's an alphabetic list of movies. TV, you go in and it's a bunch of folders for each uh show and inside each show there's a bunch of files called seasons whatever uh you know with episode number and season number and they sort alphabetically and they're just a bunch of folders and they're words and you always know where that you are and there's only one direction you can go basically left and right and then scrolling up and down within each thing and it's the ugliest interface you've ever seen in your life and there are no pictures and there are no thumbnails there are no anything but (laughs) the kids can navigate it anyone can navigate as long as you can do like up down left right that's all you need to do and you're fine and remember the apple tv thing you're scrolling through like i'll I'll find my daughter just like scrolling through this big giant sea of thumbnails and i don't know where she is anymore it's like like you said is this the result of a search are you just going into like the recommendation recommendations for me and you've scrolled down seven rows and over 20 rows like in the netflix app and and you have no idea where you are and it's like how do you get back to search because you just want to find your show and that's when i end up picking the thing up holding down the speaker button and just saying something into the speaker hoping it's going to have some effect and it doesn't it doesn't understand what i say or it doesn't do what i want it to or, it, do. or it has the delay that's that's the other thing is the delay is still there and i don't, I don't think it, i doubt the delay
0: is in the remote getting it and sending it i got a feeling that the delay is in the box
1: yeah I, I don't mind that if it got it right but then you're just like you say something and you're waiting you're looking at the screen and you're going to see what gibberish it's going to put on the screen or say it translates what you wrote exactly correctly but it doesn't understand what you're getting at and it searches for something using your question as part of the search or does nothing or says it couldn't find any results or something like that. Yeah. Long way to go. Uh, but my, my television setup is, is very sort of user hostile and I just, (laughs) I'm sort of conditioning the people in my house to learn how to use the 9,000 remotes and the 20 different things. And I don't mind it because really like I just want a predictable series of steps that will result in moving pictures on the screen Even if those steps are Byzantine, even if it means basically that if someone else comes to my house, whether it's my parents or a babysitter, they can't use my television to do anything. Like when my parents come, the only thing I can do is set everything up for them to use TiVo and they can handle that. And that's about it.
0: Ours has gotten a lot better over the years because it used to be we had the TV, we had TiVo, and then we had a stereo. (laughs) Back in the days when you have a stereo, we had a stereo system that it was playing through. And, uh, I mean, that was like watching an old man try to make the cable work, you know, which which one has to be on three, you know, and then you end up getting worse and worse. You just dig yourself in further and further. I finally had to type up, it was kind of, because uh, it was the kind of work I was doing at the time, I wrote up three pages of documentation on how to use our TV set. And now when we get a babysitter, we just say, Are you comfortable with Netflix? And they're like, sure. And we turn on Netflix and we say, just, just leave it on.
1: Here you go. Yeah, I can't do that with mine because of burn in. But yeah, no, my my <laughs> my uh my setup is exactly as you described. I have a receiver, there are inputs, the television also has inputs. Uh certain devices need to go through the the receiver or they don't play audio. Uh you have to change the inputs on the television sometimes and then change it also on the stereo, and then which which remote controls the volume, which remote controls play pause? It's very, very complicated. We got a new one where the sound bar is confused.
0: Uh, we finally got a soundbar. And we got a Vizio soundbar that, you know, works with the Vizio TV and supposedly it, like, immediately grocks it. But we got the classic soundbar problem of it sometimes just goes to sleep and goes away. Sometimes it doesn't wake up when it's supposed to wake up. Not a huge problem. You just hit the volume button. You just got to remember to do that. One more thing to just remember to do to watch a TV show. But, like, now it's confused about, like, what volume is which. And it's it sometimes gets within – I think one of them is way off. So you get to where this click – is way too quiet. One click up is way too loud. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, a related thing I've had is different sources have different relative volumes. So I would be giving my kids instructions on like the the volume that shows up on the TV screen, which is the television volume, should never be above 20, which is like, I don't know, like a quarter of the thing or something. But that's not true, because depending on what input's going to the television, 20 can be way too loud. Like I think when you play like Netflix through the Apple TV, 20 is insanely loud. But when you're actually watching television through the TiVo, 20 is a pleasant volume. And so now I have nothing left to tell them. Yeah. Except turn, turn it down. It's too loud. Turn it down. <laughs> That's what I said. Never goes about... Like, uh,
0: 17 is kind of our nighttime viewing. If we're, if it's loud and we're doing stuff, we'll do, like, a 22. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it just... It is interesting. Like, something I said... I don't think I said this here. It was somewhere. Like, I think there's... One of the numerous reasons people end up staying with cable and a TV with a remote is that it is relatively easy to understand. Like, once you've figured out how the DVR from Comcast works... Um, you only are you don't have as many sources to deal with because, man, when you start getting into this stuff, like it's it's it really is bananas. How many different if you accounted for every kind of not variable, but every source of change in this chain, it's really difficult to figure out what went wrong, especially because you only have one one screen to tell, tell you what's happening.
1: Yeah, it's difficult. I think most people don't want to deal with it. But, like, my, my situation is, like, I, I do want to deal with it. I, I've dealt with it. I have a setup. And then my difficulty is the other people in my house don't want to know how it works. I want I want to tell them how it works. Uh, I can tell them specifically, like, as in a series of steps. But really what I want to tell them is conceptually, like, to get my kids to understand the television is a screen. There's a series of inputs that the television is choosing where it's going to get its signal from that signal can be audio or video. Here are the choices that we have. And then the box on the bottom, the receiver also has inputs like it's a block diagram. Like just understand conceptually how it works. Cause then all you have to worry about is okay. Conceptually, I know how it works. What button on what rectangle do I have to push to make <laughs> the television change inputs? What button on what rectangle do I have to push to make the receiver change inputs? Can I change inputs with the receiver on and the receiver off? Yes, you can. It's very complicated. Um, and then draw me the diagram of, if I want to do this activity, How do I make the lines connect up through all these boxes so that uh, everything end to end works the way it's supposed to work? And they just do not want to know. I got farther in that explanation to you than I've ever gotten with them. Like, I've tried to take out a piece (laughs) of everything. They're like, Dad, I don't want to hear it. Just put on the TV. Just make it work. But my daughter has learned how to change the format on the television and how to use the TiVo remote. I think she might know how to switch from Apple TV to TiVo. Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. She usually just calls. I can't imagine you in a
0: hotel room. I just – there's uh, – I, even, even I, I'm pretty – I feel like I'm pretty tolerant of all kinds of things. I don't realize how intolerant I am until I'm in a hotel room, and there's just so much stuff that's goofy. Like in, in one case, we were we were watching some stupid cable station, and it did that thing where everybody's tall or the thing where everybody's wide. And I went in, and I was playing with the remote and figured, oh, this is probably just misconfigured. I need just change this to four by three, and it'll be fine. No, no. All the sides were still cut off. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. And of course, like, like we said last week, last time in a hotel room, like they're so constrained on the bandwidth. Everything looks
1: like crap. I don't even watch television in hotel rooms. Like that's I, probably, pretend it's, I pretend it's not there. That's
0: good, good for you. That's the right thing to do. You can go, 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 uh, take a steam. This episode of reconcilable differences is brought to you in part by making light. You can learn more about making light right now by visiting makinglight.us. making light is all about helping you focus on doing your best work. When you sign up for a subscription to Making Light, every month you will receive a lovely box that contains two handmade botanical soy wax candles. These candles are infused with essential oils and they come in recyclable tins. These candles will give you two hours of focus each day for 20 days. You light a candle when you need to get some work done and let the fantastic fragrances and the sight of the flickering flame help you concentrate. These types of daily rituals are so normal for us, like making coffee and tea in the morning. Why not add a new one to your life? And help you feel a little more productive. With the holidays coming up, a Making Light subscription would make a fantastic gift for a friend or a family member. Every month, they'll receive a little box in the mail that is designed to help them focus on the things they care about. And we here at Relay love working with Making Light, they're a great family business. Dan really cares about uh, his customers and is a big supporter of all the great shows. So go check them out and support them like they support us. It is such a great gift for someone this holiday season. Here's the bottom line. Making Light costs $24 a month with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. These candles are way better than what you're going to find in your local mall. They're poured by hand by a family business in Indiana, and they have over 40 years history of making candles. Making Light is offering listeners of this show $5 off their first order, by using the promo code DIFFS—that's D-I-F-F-S—so go out and uh, find some candles for yourself by going to MakingLight.us, and that is MakingLight.us. And please do use that offer code DIFFS D-I-F-F-S. Our thanks to Making Light for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of
1: Relay FM. Do you want to start with our appetizer course? Yeah, well, I want you to talk about your dreams. What was it here? Write something down about her own dreams i gotta look it up again yeah that was it something yeah write something down about her own dreams yep so give me the uh give me what you're thinking so you mentioned on the last show and i think we talked about it for a couple seconds that you have the desire to recall and i guess maybe record what your dreams were so you go to sleep you wake up and you you want to know what was that dream i just had about and you mentioned that other people don't want to hear about it because it's boring. So I guess you don't, maybe you don't tell other people about it, but for your own purposes, you are interested in knowing what happened in your dreams. And I would love for you to tell us why you do that. And then you can tell us how you do that. Well, first of all, I mean, as far as that, just to
0: reiterate an old point that I think is worth you know mentioning is that I think it's extremely difficult to talk to people about dreams um, because, and I actually, I had a professor in college uh, my my actually my sponsor uh, for for a semester was um, practically phobic about hearing people's dreams. He had I think there might be, there might be a name for this, but he was practically pho- he he like he would he refused to hear other people's dreams, which is weird because he was very into magic realism. But um, the problem is that like when you're in a dream or you you know let's say you're out of a dream and you're waking up, like there's there's these very very strong feelings and there's also this. The thing that makes me, in some ways, I guess I'm cutting to the chase. The thing that makes me want to remember it is I can tell there's more to this story than I can remember. And every night, pretty much every night, as I'm waking up and my daughter's making lots of noise a little after six in the morning, I will start waking up and I'll usually have a title card for a dream and then I will have the most recent part of the dream. Like, I, I find that, like, I remember the most recent part of the dream, and then I can remember more a little bit backwards and remember less and less and less as I go back. The part that's maddening is I will sometimes successfully remember what feels like an hours and hours and hours long dream. I know that's not how it works, but that's what it feels like. It feels like I was dreaming all night about this impossibly large house where there were more and more rooms and all this kind of stuff. And it's it, it is it is very fascinating. It's an interesting story, but there will be sometimes a feeling, sometimes a very complex feeling that I can't quite put my finger on. And I feel like if I could just go back a little bit further in this dream, I would be able to remember that feeling because that's what a dream is. And again, this is why dreams are difficult to talk about because you're trying to describe what you think is a story, but what you're really doing is trying to describe a feeling, which is very difficult to do, especially when you think all you're doing is telling a story. Do you know, you know what I mean? It's, it, you, think, you think you're basically just telling a story. Like, here's what happened to me at the DMV that was funny. But that's why you end up saying all these things... That in dream logic, you know, uh, I don't want to say made sense. But there's something, you have a very strong feeling about having experienced that in the dream. And when you describe that to people, it doesn't come across. When you say things like, like I was in a, a really big closet and I was, I was scared, uh, but I was happy. You say things like that and you go like, oh, my God, why are you doing this? Why are you telling me this? Or the classic, like I say, you know, you were there, but it wasn't you. It was my house, but it wasn't my house. That doesn't make any sense. That sounds like a, like a discarded first draft of a Robin Hitchcock song. Like, throw it away. That, that's, that's a terrible story. So I try not to tell people my dreams because I think they're boring. But I do – I'm interested in the dreams. I'm interested in not even exactly interpretation because the funny part to me is sometimes when I'm having the weirdest dreams, I feel the most healthy. And when I'm having the happiest dreams, I feel the most concerned. And so I, but but I do love because I love a good story. I want to walk it back, and I love that challenge of trying get trying to get back to something, a feeling that I know is there, and a story that I know is there. And so I've tried to find ways to get back to that. Does that make any sense?
1: Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Do you understand the words that I just said? <laughs> yeah, no, I I understand mostly what you're saying. Like, and I have the, the same feeling about dreams and that like. I think everyone's experienced this. If you do have a dream and say you feel compelled to describe to like, you know, your partner, whoever you just woke up next to, who's willing to tolerate listening to you talk about your dreams and you try to describe it, you realize that nothing of consequence was like nothing happened in the dream. Like it doesn't work as a story. Most of it is you, like you said, trying to express them exactly how you felt about staring at the doorknob in this, like this, and you, you find yourself going into depth about the, the particular color of the wood and the carpet, and and what you're really getting at is how you felt about this. And you're like, this is not a story; nothing's happening. I'm like, going even if it's a story, like I was being chased or whatever. Like that's not. The, it's like, and then what happened? Um, and then I guess I woke up. Like there is no story there. No, but you feel right. you feel these strong feelings. So trying to describe it always leads you to um, realize that there's no there's no narrative. There's only feelings, and I find that the feelings fade. Pretty quickly. So what was really sig- significant to you slowly, slowly, you know, yes. like over the course of 15 minutes becomes yes. like, you can't even get, come back to that place. So my question to you still remains, why do you want to remember farther back in the dream and recapture that feeling? Why do you, what do you think you're going to get it? What's going to happen if you successfully do that? What is there waiting for you? What do you, what are you looking for? I don't have a practical goal to it. Part of it is,
0: I, I think that part of it is, it's maybe part of it is the challenge of trying to. Sort of like the way people talk about lucid dreaming and the ability. I used to, my friend Grant and I used to talk about this, this the ability to have lucid dreaming where you're like in a dream and kind of aware of it and able to walk around, you know, inside of it. Um, I, I like the challenge of, it. I, just to be clear, I don't have a, a practical reason for wanting to do this, but sometimes elements of it are so clear and so intense and feel so meaningful. Um, even if they're meaningful in kind of a silly way, that like not you know not meaningful as in like I see the face of God or something, but like there's something about it that feels very resonant. And then I kind of like the challenge, uh, and I'll talk about this as much or as little as you want. The challenge of like this pr- approach I have <laughs> of trying to remember it, and then sometimes I do write it down. And you're right. I mean, I always feel like I can kind of remember the title card and the most recent part, but I know there's something deeper. And and so here's here's the other part. This is difficult to explain, but. Um, you know, like the effects of like primacy and recency, the idea of like, you remember the most recent thing, the first thing you saw and the latest thing you saw. Um, have you ever noticed that for myself, uh, when I'm in bed and going to falling asleep or when I'm in bed and waking up in the morning, I'm most likely to remember other dreams. I assume there are other dreams. They might be implants from UFOs, but have you ever had that feeling of going like, oh, that's right. I totally dreamed about that and I forgot about it.
1: I cannot say that I've ever dreamt about another dream. I, de- I definitely not, find... Not dreaming about another dream. It's like while you're drifting off oh, yeah, to like, sleep what... or while you're waking up, you go, oh, right, that's right. right. I was laying here and had, the, had that no, dream however uh, many days ago. Absolutely not. Like what I find is that as I'm coming up out of sleep, that's the time I'm most likely to remember and start fiddling around with the dream I had that night, but never have, during that period have I thought about at all a, a dream that I had a night other than the one I'm just going into or coming out of. Wow. Never, never. Well, part of it is this is the weird part in recent, in more recent times. And
0: uh, please forgive me; I don't do this very often. Forgive me if this is boring. But uh, in recent times, I-, I have the phenomenon that I'm calling the title card, which is that there's some phrase or title or name that just keeps coming up in my mind as I'm waking up. Um, <laughs> so two or three nights ago, uh, starting around five in the morning, I would wake up and fall back asleep, and I kept having exactly the same phrase go through my head, and this phrase. In my head, it sounded so cool that I just knew I had to be stealing it from something that already exists. And I would actually see this almost like a silent movie. <laughs> I would see this phrase, the tessellated heart. The tessellated heart. The tessellated heart. And I was like, the tessellated heart? Tesseract? Like, what, 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 is that, what does that mean? And I know, like, tessellation is like a, it's like a pattern. I was like, what, what does that mean? And then suddenly I was like, oh, that's right. And I started thinking about this idea of, imagine having this heart-like structure that opens almost like a, like a scissor jack that allows things to come in and out. And I was like, again, dream logic, forgive me. But like, so that just kept going through my mind over and over. And then I woke up the next day and I Googled it and I was like, I could not believe there's not already something called the tessellated heart. Because first of all, that's a really, really cool name for something. And, uh, and then I found myself going, "Well, I wonder what that means. And I started trying to walk it backwards. And then, I, you know, there's, like, certain themes in dreams that I, that I have over and over and over again. And, and pressing that very lightly sometimes yields a little bit more information where you can kind of walk it backwards chronologically. And I don't know. I think it's fascinating. God, this is weird. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Why, why are you not interested? I'm... Well, see, I, I'm mostly... Well, there's a couple of things. What the, 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 uh, the phrase being in your head um, when you come out and the, the, the repeating phrase from a dream or whatever... The only time I've experienced things like that is when I have a really high fever, like when I'm sick or delirious with fever which is, i has happened more as i've been an adult because when you, as you know when you're a kid you can have these crazy high fevers and you're like la-dee-da, 103 i'm fine when you when you're an adult you have 101 right. you feel like the world is ending you can't stop thinking about it you can't stop looking
0: at it and you like almost pray please let ne- let me not keep having the same thought and, and it just and keeps like, coming
1: at you yeah and, and so it's like when when you're delirious with when i'm delirious with fever especially if it's like the nighttime and i'm supposed to be sleeping yeah. but it is impossible because i am like burning up or whatever i will have Whatever crazy dream logic thing is wedged in my head that I will just keep turning over again and again. Whatever it is. Sometimes it's a physical manifestation with me. Like I'm imagining like something that could be positioned to the left or to the right and I'm trying to get it in the middle and every time I put it in the middle it pushes it off to the left and the right and I will mentally mess with that knob in my head forever. Uh. Or it could be a word or a phrase or anything. But, this, but I'm sick. You see what I'm saying? This is when I have a fever. When I don't have a fever, I don't have that at all. And the reason I'm less interested in the dream stuff... Aside from lucid dreaming, which I used to be really awesome at when I was a teenager, and I, like I, I say it as if it's a skill like if either happens or it doesn't it used to happen to me a lot I don't know how to make it happen um but not so much anymore it is because I consider everything that goes on in dreams just like brain garbage like it is right, not it, right. it means nothing uh it is the equivalent of static on your television set, it can be fun, it can be upsetting, but obvious. but it has no meaning, and it is just like it's just brain garbage <laughs> right so like and here's, right. And I blessedly. Brain garbage. I love that. It's so true. In my adult life, for the most part, I don't remember most of my dreams. Um, so I, I have to deal with this less, which is kind of good because you know, when you have the dreams that are upsetting and you wake up and you're like, why I wake up and like, why the hell was I even upset about that? You were like really sad or like you have this overwhelming feeling that, that you've disappointed someone or, and then it's just the whole, like, I've forgotten that I signed up for a class. Like, it's amazing. I guess it's the power of suggestion or whatever. It's amazing. Those dreams, like that they always describe of like you, you, you forget, especially with the college ones, like you registered for a class at the beginning of the year and you totally forgot to ever go to the class. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you realize you forgot to go to the class and you have to go for, like, a final or something. You know how many times I've had a dream? Like, that is probably, like, my most frequent dream. And yeah. the, the problem is, like, I did register for a lot of classes that I didn't attend all that much, like the stupid classes that I felt like I just needed to show up for the midterm and final uh, for. I never missed any of them. I went to all of them, but I still have that dream. And I guess some people have the naked in school thing, the teeth yep. falling out dream, the flying dream. Like, I'm fine to forget those. I've had them all enough times. I'd be happier if I could remember more flying dreams and have more exciting ones like that. But I had more of those as a kid. Uh, but the thing is, I don't know if I have them because, uh, like, I can't remember the last dream that I could remember when I woke up. Like, it's got to be months, years. I don't know how long ago it was. Like, I wake up from sleep and there is nothing there. Maybe Maybe six months ago, there was something... maybe i had it but like but they because i consider them brain garbage i don't spend any uh, effort pursuing them which i can understand like from your perspective can be a fun game like just you know a mental challenge like because it seems so it's like when something's on the tip of your tongue you know you wake up and it's right there it's right there and it's fading you could see it fading you're like wait no right um right oh this is the only one i can remember i do this all the time (laughs) this is this is the best this is the best recurring adult dream that i can remember and it's It doesn't make any sense, but I've, I tried, I chase, this is the one I chase. And and the thing where you're chasing, where you're trying to get, this is the one that I chase. It's either when I'm going to sleep or when I'm waking up and here's what I'm chasing. I am chasing, um, something is happening in, in, in real life or in a dream. Uh, like, or, you know, I'm in my dream and something is happening in the world. And it changes to the point where I find myself, telling the story in words of whatever is, is going on in the world, whether it's someone else talking to me or I'm talking to them, it changes until I basically see words on a written, like on a book page. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it may start out as a dream. It's like you're hanging out with somebody and they're, and they're talking to you and then they walk over to this thing. and they do that. And then it changes to a written description of what they're doing. And this is a kind of dream where I start to believe that this is real life. And what I find myself doing is I'm reading the words off the page like because what i'm doing at this point is is like challenging the dream it's like well if this is a a book that i'm reading this is not a real book can i outrun it by just reading really fast right can i just go what happens next What's happens next what happens next can i read ahead of what's happening to know he's going to take a bite of that apple because i read ahead in the book that's dictating what we're going on and what i will do during this time is start reading the book really fast to outpace it and at a certain point i will think this is a dream. So everything that I'm reading, I'm manufacturing. I'm oh making God. all these words that are in this book. How can I be doing that? Is, isn't it exhaustible? It seems comprehensible. These are complete sentences. Like it's a, it's basically effortless writing. In that all I have to do is read as fast as I can, and the words flow endlessly in basically a narrative of what's going on. Right. And. Right. And, and and I guess you, you
0: don't it. you don't know where it's coming from, but it's almost like imagine you just started singing a song that like turned out to be like a, a hit. Yes, exactly. I, I, I know how this song goes, even though it's never existed yeah, before.
1: It's made up, and the lyrics go on forever. And 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 I have oh, a, I've had I,
0: that feeling. I've so had that feeling.
1: And I have awareness of it. And I say, I know this is a dream. This can't this can't be an inexhaustible supply. Other, like, do I have an unlimited supply of comprehensible sentences in my head for a novel? Like, could I just sit here if if I had an unlimited amount of time? Could I just sit here? Like, because it's it's totally. Effortless. it's like i'm reading words written by somebody else right, the words right. are just there and no matter how fast i read they're there and then eventually i wake up and i have no recollection of whatever the hell it was i was reading because it fades so fast but right. that is that is the one adult dream that i have frequently maybe it's like a writer's dream or- no i was just thinking the same thing i mean
0: all the times but like it's almost like the not, not to take your story but it's almost like the idea of like imagine if it wasn't actually hard to write a novel Like, just for the sake of argument, imagine that the secret that no one has told you is that if you sat down and said, I'm going to write a novel now, you could do it. And it would all just flow out of you
1: at as fast a rate as your
0: fingers could move.
1: Because someone already wrote it. all you're doing is reading it. Like it is all you're doing. It's like a bit, the, the the idea of photorecording. You're, like, you're like the vessel almost. Yeah. yeah. Not even the vessel. That's the whole thing. I'm like oh, I didn't write the story. It came through. And this is like it's not even coming through me. Someone else already wrote this down. I'm just reading it off because it's visually in my head. Oh, I, I see, see the I see, I see. I see yeah. the words appearing. But obviously it's a dream. So and it's not a real story. And it's not it's like it's not like an existing <laughs> story. I'm manufacturing all this, and yet it, it is entirely as effortless as just reading words off a page. And because it reflects the reality of the dream, I will read ahead and be like, this is awesome. I know exactly what that guy's going to do next. I just read it and then he'll do it. And I'm like, but wait, that's not an impressive feat because he's also controlled by the dream. But like, I, I, I think I'm, I think around inside, this is why it's like lucid dreaming, because I understand that I'm dreaming, and I understand the consequences, and it does seem cool to be able to figure out what's going to happen in the quote-unquote real world before it happens, because I read it, but then I realize, i am making up the words too, so that's not an impressive feat, but the real impressive feat is that there's an unlimited supply of these words, and I can just go on forever, and I've spent what seemed like a half an hour racing racing ahead in the story. So like, Yeah, is there something else? How can, you know, and it probably is incomprehensible gibberish, was again, brain garbage. But it's, it's, it's fun to do. That, that's like my new flying dream.
0: All of this, yes. Uh, I mean, to me, all of this is, should be tacitly couched in this idea. And you, you could hear me even kind of stepping lightly around the idea of, quote, unquote, remembering a dream. Because, you know, not to get too sci-fi here, but, you know, your brain's a bunch of, like, you know, plumbing and wiring. And things cause other things to happen, and that's a thought. And, you know, it's just my own sense of self that gives those things meaning in some ways. And so, like, I'm open to the idea that, okay, here's the big sad ending, is I'm open to the idea that in my drowsy state, as I'm waking up, I might actually be unconsciously constructing elements of that dream based on synaptic garbage
1: 100 percent. yeah that's like the back solving from static yes is, you know you can you that but that's still a fun like sort of mental game because it's the same thing as the words that generate again it's like the story it's like reading the story like yeah. you're going, oh my god oh my god
0: more story please more story
1: yeah and like at a certain point you can't hold it together anywhere like you know what at, at this far back <laughs> in my memory it doesn't make any sense this is just
0: well john playing. i'm sitting here in nvl and uh, <laughs> Um, may I, share, may I share with you on the occasion, the very rare occasion that I actually think to type some bullets? Can I share some of these with you? This is going to be like the same bullets for three-ring binder that uh, that Scott sends you. Oh, I wish those are the best. <laughs> no, I'll I'll just go through a few of these. I mean, like for me, my enduring dream lately. There's some I I do. This is probably Freudian or something, but I, I do have recurring recurring dreams. About And I've heard people in New York City and Manhattan in particular talk about this dream where they discover a room in their house. They didn't Uh, know they existed. Yeah, yeah. No, I've had 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 that that one one as well, yes. And I've also had – like I'm in like a formerly fancy but now somewhat disheveled giant space that's kind of a house and kind of a hotel, kind of an airport. That Like no matter how far I walk, there's more and different stuff than I've ever seen in the place. There's that. My other recurring one – is, I don't know what this says about me. I have a recurring dream probably three or four times a month about, I don't know why it's Paris, because I've never been to Paris, but being in Paris, France, it's a different airport every time, but I'm late for a flight and I don't have any money and I have to get on a flight. And then somehow I end up in like first class on the flight. That probably says a lot about my life. That's a recurring one for me. Let me read you some bullets here. Uh, bad guy says, do what I say and you might live long enough to see your kids hate you. Move out, move, move out of office, only new college. Target data breach. Next door neighbors, were doing 450,000 renovations. Cool lighting, nicer kitchen. People use the back door. <laughs> <laughs> I like how they're topical, the target data breach. <laughs> target data breach. Here's another one that involved a dream about my, uh, the guy who was my, one of my three roommates in seventh grade in military school, F- F- Fabrizio Carli. He's a guy from Venezuela. I had a dream about Fabrizio Carli. Title card for this one is Permiso like which i think is roughly something like may, may i uh, or you know if you don't mind uh isn't this nice i wonder what happens next permiso fabrizio Carli. permiso delivers three to five <laughs> <laughs> permiso delivers three to five surprises per day what was the other thing
1: <laughs> isn't this a david lynch movie
0: it totally is <laughs> Oh, my God. Let me see. Okay, here's a good one. Hotel, uh, hotels, giant one for me. Hotels, Disney World, Water Park, Amy Gruber, can't climb down water slide steps, haunted mansion, house we lived in, similar to Epic One from Endless Giant House Tree, big breakthroughs. I've decided not to let it bother me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, speaking of other people starring in the Amy Dreams Gruber line. can't, and then can't, new line, can't climb down water slide steps? Yeah, like, this is like, you physically couldn't? You're petrified that you couldn't, or that
0: she couldn't do it? Search me, Amy. I do kind of remember this, and I remember it was one of those, like, oh, I was in quicksand and I couldn't move, or I was running, or I was screaming, I couldn't scream. It was mm-hmm. one of those, except it was like, it was kind of like a water slide, but it was, imagine a cross between a water slide and a bouncy house, and a head. <laughs> This is so embarrassing. Why am I telling you this? And I had to walk down these steps on this
1: water slide uh, slash bouncy house. Amy Gruber was there uh, for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like it when when people from my distant past appear in a dream. Oh, I like, people you like, haven't thought of in twenty years. Yeah, and I like reconcile with them or yes. about some about some issue, or am surprised about where they've ended up in life, or something like that. It's like where did that <laughs> right. come from? Again, again, brain garbage. Like where, where in the hell? Like I haven't thought about that person. Yeah, like, somebody from like eighth
0: grade is there. And then here's here's a description that comes up a lot for me. Yeah, it was like Sharon was there, and she was really nice. <laughs> not like she was in 7th grade. Well, I mean like however they were, but you go like, "Oh, there was this person there." Like somebody I I now very specific, like a girl I had a crush on in camp, summer after 5th
1: grade. I think her name was Sherry. It's like Sherry was there, and she was really nice. <laughs> this is the one. <laughs> so you're getting you're getting moving on to like dreaming about other women and stuff. This is the one thing that it's just always i tell my wife about it she is both not impressed and uh not interested right? like most dream things that you know you tell anybody uh so if you have dreams about uh women or who, you know like i say like sex dreams but as close as you're going to get or whatever like everyone has had sex dreams right in my adult married life every time i have a sex dream where there's someone in a dream whether it's a real person or a composite person or whatever who wants to get it on with me yeah i refuse because i'm married <laughs>
0: like and i right. appear
1: to have no control i, I have this.
0: i have totally done that in dreams my sex dreams are more weird than erotic and i i very frequently will have to demur to say that i i'm sorry uh, fre-
1: i can never i can never close the deal i can never absolutely. make anything happen it's always or, like or it's, it's just sorry, incon- also it's you know, inconvenient well, no, not even like, I, I don't understand the consequences. I have to explain to them, no, I'm married now. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, hey, the other part of me is doing the dream. Like, what are you doing? Don't you realize it's a dream? Like, as I'm explaining it, unfortunately, I'm married. No, I understand, but I, you know, I really care about my wife and blah, blah. That's for my entire married life. I have, as far as I'm aware, I have never successfully had, I haven't even kissed someone else in a dream, which is kind of depressing because isn't that what dreams I are know. for? But that's what it's for. And, and I tell my wife, and she, I don't get no credit for this. I it's know, like, I know.
0: But have you ever. Have you ever, though, in your life, had dreams where you woke up? The classic again, probably Seinfeld, where you wake up and you are so angry at someone because of what they did in a dream.
1: Mm, I don't think I get angry <laughs> at the people. Mostly, I wake up dreams sad because someone was really angry with me in a dream, yeah, and then yeah, I realize, wait a second, that either A isn't a real person or B that thing really didn't happen.
0: I am frequently and... very disappointing in hotels. I, I'm disappointing in in dreams. Here's one video game dreams, pleasant and warm. I see from above leadership take over an adjacent square. Who will teach the leadership? In every home, there's a place, kind of like an alcove, phone booth, even just an organic-looking hole. Original idea is you whisper your dreams in there while they're fresh. It could be some kind of confession. We're taught that it's private and stays there forever, but it might be harmful. You're literally speaking into the ear of an ancient bird that seems dead. <laughs> this is it, like a
1: Shane Carruth movie, right? <laughs> let, me finish, <laughs>
0: let me finish. It turns out to be like an ancient animal. You're literally speaking into the ear of an ancient bird that seems dead. It remembers everything. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God, that's horrible. <laughs> and, uh, again, and It's an I ancient bring, bird, John. I bring this back to, why, why are you writing this down? Well, like, so, see, to, that's, to explain?
0: This is why, I think this is partly why you didn't do drugs. Or, <laughs> well, or it's related. Let's reverse this. You may write them down because you did. Oh, God, don't think I haven't thought about it, buddy. Don't think I haven't. When I'm sitting there sometimes and thinking a thought that should not be thought, I will frequently go, this is that one time. This is that one time that I took that goddamn sugar cube acid sold to me by a man named Richard Fallis. His name was Richard P-H-R- Fallis, John. P-H-R, P-H-R, And his parents uh, thought the name of Dick. He sold me some, some sugar cube acid and I sat in my room and felt like thoughts were liquid that could no <laughs> longer move through my mind and I would never think another thought for the rest of my life. That I sat there in my room that I shared with my, uh, my, my roommate, Pete. I sat there and I thought, right now, I am thinking the last thought that I will ever think.
1: <laughs> if only.
0: Yeah, I know. <sighs> target target data breach. <laughs> <laughs> the bird remembers everything. <laughs> it's an ancient bird.
1: Of course so it's great because an the of see it's this, an bird.
0: this is the this is the beauty part though is it, it felt profound is the wrong word I mean it felt it felt mm-hmm. like a tent it felt like a tent pole of
1: civilization
0: what yeah, I was describing extreme
1: color totally yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you like? Uh, do you enjoy magic realism?
1: Uh, I I can if it's done well in a way that, that I find appealing and interesting. I can. Also I'm going to describe it. So I'm in, thinking in particular.
0: I'm thinking in particular of people like Marquez. I guess maybe Borges in some ways. But you know, the idea that there is a mostly plausible world where incredibly implausible things happen. It's it's not quite surrealism, you know. It's certainly not Dada, but like could be like the movies of Jodorowsky. But this idea that there is this mostly sensible real life world where completely impossible things happen.
1: Yeah, and I like that. In when I think of it, that in, mostly in movies, I like that when that happens, and that's not the um, the focus of the movie. I mean, I don't, would you consider? Uh, key. I, I can't pronounce that for yeah. word, yep. New York. Yep. Pretty, to close. Be, to pretty, be pretty close. Pretty close, yes. Yeah. <laughs> because like that's exactly how I want it to be, because I want it to right. be like that, but I don't want the movie to be about that, but I want the things that happen to have meaning in the context of the movie, where don't spend any time worrying about nope. how this fits into the story, but it's meaningful, it's not random. This is not, what's happening is not like la-di-da. Don't spend any time on
0: how he lost years of time and like why that person's mad at him about it, because that is very much like a dream to me. You know right. I mean? Like, are
1: they are they actually having a play or does he think they're having a play? What part of the play are real? Is he, does he even know these, but like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't, matter. doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. But yeah. the things that happen are not random. And they like, they, they work as a story and a narrative, at least if you, if this movie connects with you, they, it's, they couldn 't you couldn 't just put some random crap in there because it wouldn 't no. work like I it' it 's not, it's not like
0: gobbledy oh it 's so funny, like you know ho ho, there 's a giant dick, and uh, there were all these girls there. No, it was not like that it 's not like that that what that movie so God you know we 've talked about this. I think we both <laughs> have enjoyed or disenjoyed this movie, but that movie was like a dream
1: that I, I wake it, up and very much wish like I a dream and so something.
0: close, so close to home, so as to use your word affecting in so many ways, but you know part of it was the like the way that it did not pause to explain the relevance of this or to explain why this is important. You know, and and the scenes, (laughs) scenes of like where he's misidentified as a woman and like, you know, no, I don't have a period and things like that. It just reads completely accurate to me as like what it feels like to be in a dream in some ways. And yet, in that case, to feel incredibly real. The whole, like I said, all when he's zipping up her jacket, and it's like,
1: ah, and, and it makes sense to you in the same way that your dreams make sense to you when you're in them, but you're watching a movie. And, and like, I would compare it to something like Adventure Time, which has its own sort of, like, Adventure Time at its best. Has absurd things happening that seem to be like random wackiness in, in in the you know the world of Ooh or whatever, but it's but it's not like sometimes every once in a while you know is sometimes just doing it for the for the gags and it's funny and it's a little story, but every once in a while they'll hit something in there that will connect with me at the same level as that movie. I I totally agree, and it's a little bit like an RPG where like it's difficult
0: to know like. Like, when you walk by this thing that you thought was just a piece of moss, maybe there's a reason the DM, like, really mentioned that. Like, you don't know. Maybe that was just a funny throwaway joke, or maybe that's something incredibly significant. Like, have you ever really thought about the Candy Kingdom? Have you ever really thought about (laughs) what's going on there? Like, start really thinking about that, because there's a lot going on on that show. Way beyond, way more than just, like, this is a candy-flavored cartoon for kids, you know and and obviously there are the ones like my
1: favorite episodes you know i remember you simon and marcy some of those i just just saw that one yesterday and i you know because we've all seen that movie the episode a million times right something new occurred to me why like the whole i don't know a lot about the backstory i haven't read the comics i haven't seen all the adventure time episodes um but this is a world that, that they live in that like there are buildings and, and ruins and stuff like that that look kind of like the modern world, but on the other hand, it's not called Earth, is it? Like, are we supposed to believe this is Earth? I was always assuming that no, it's not Earth; it's this other place that has this other name and this magical stuff, and it's not Earth. So don't don't be trying to think that it's Earth. Right, like, right. You know, D- this, Don't but, imagine that it's Europe. Right, but then uh, Simon sings the theme from Cheers. He sings the theme from Cheers, and there's no, the how, from cheers. and, and there's rec- Cheers here.
0: Recently, Bubblegum was having trouble because she's having trouble. Uh, she had to pay her internet bill.
1: Like there, there, there are yeah. things that are
0: like that that will come along or like the idea, like the everything burrito or the idea that like, okay, there's no humans in this kingdom until there is a human like Susan strong is there. And then we meet Martin eventually. And now there's speculation. Oh, what if Susan strong was actually like Finn's mom? Like they are thinking a lot of stuff through. I mean, you realize by the time you get even partway into the second season that they have, they have thought about a lot of stuff on that show.
1: Yeah. And, and most of the time they spend, not ignoring that stuff, like to, to saying, let's just have you know a silly story within this world, but they touch on the other stuff. They touch on it; it's in the background. You see the person do this thing that that will become significant seventeen episodes later. Did right? you watch? Um, did you watch football? The episode football. Uh, I don't know the title. So what? Happened um. So,
0: so do you remember Five Short Grables? And yep. there's the one segment where BMO starts talking into the mirror. Hmm. Uh, there's an ep- a recent episode where football comes back. And football. Oh yeah, no, yeah, okay, yeah. And football, Obviously, yes, football is episode. just is football a reflection? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, is football Bimo talking to him or herself? Because also, we should mention sometimes Bimo is a robot that is sometimes a man, sometimes a woman, and sometimes kind of both. Mm-hmm. And yet, it is a robot, so it doesn't have a gender. That's super interesting. It's more of a computer, but it's a different podcast.
1: <laughs> or a game machine. We may have just hit peak Syracuse, <laughs> but
0: <clears throat> when Bimo looks into the mirror and says, "Hello, football, hello, mm-hmm. hello, what is your? I am Bimo. I am football. Peing." Like so, <clears throat> obviously, Bimo aspires in that in that weird moment. Bimo obviously aspires. It's Pinocchio, right? Bimo aspires to be a real boy or a real girl or whatever. So, football. He's trying to convince his reflection and it's shot in a way where it's not obvious what's going on is bmo just talking to himself and delirious or you know delusional is that actually another identity is it something else and like yeah dumb cartoon
1: who cares but i i thought that was a very thought-provoking episode about identity yeah i did see that episode i spend a lot of time thinking about why football is called football i don't know why like because it doesn't seem like a name word and it's like a Markov would... chain thing. Like how did BIMO come up with that? Right, exactly. And does this say something about Bimo, or is it just is it is it just the the adventure time equivalent of brain garbage? I don't know. Oh god, that's so well put. Yep. <sighs> I could do another hour on this. Yeah, we burned up a lot of time on dreams. Permiso. <laughs> Silencio. <laughs> Permiso delivers three to five surprises per day. <sighs> <clears throat> <laughs> what? Do you hide these books from your your child or your wife or are they just like out in the open where anyone could like, you know, come upon it and just start flipping through like all work and no play makes but Jack t- boy. all work and no <laughs> you, play? These, just... these like text files? <laughs> yeah, I guess they're text files.
0: No, they're... no, no, no. Nobody cares. Oh, here's one. Oh, gosh, I, I forgot this. I wrote a whole, I wrote a 500 word essay on something called the, the handler shaper. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a ball. Oh my God, this is good. I should have posted this. This is really good. This is some really good stuff in here. Maybe take these to your shrink and say, does this mean
1: anything? (laughs) You look (sighs) this up for me.
0: I gathered comics. People had donated or left there. Out to dinner. Fancy in Tampa. Downstairs. (laughs) Dark Ride. Connection with Disney and Bush Gardens. Doctor Who anthology sections. Definitely felt like things that had happened before overriding sense of resignation and here we go again humor about role of chance and randomness and how stories are retold and how things are governed and decided things like i guess it was your turn (laughs) why you why do you write them down so disjointed like why don't you try to make the notes make sense because I am, I am just, I am the fingers on the keyboard to take the purest version of the thought that I have access to. But, but, but you're and not get getting it down. It
1: down. All sure you're doing, you know, you're not. Like you're missing it. Like it's <laughs> it's, it's nonsense. It's it's free associated nonsense. Like why aren't you trying to nail it down when you nonsense. write it? Nonsense,
0: nonsense. That's rough. You take something like chapter. Can't quite get my head on the one about love, Hermione. Should have been.
1: <laughs> it's not even punctuated. It's just like... Sure it is. I got question marks. <laughs> Hermione question mark? Yes, Hermione. I like... The next line. Hermione exclamation point. Should have been. Exc- Should have been. Question mark. Fancy in Tampa. <laughs> <coughs> mm. <laughs> you know I like what? That you could
0: do- Screw it. Screw it, John. I'm glad I did this. I'm glad I did this.
1: I feel good about this. Oh, uh, I, I, Yeah, this is... <laughs> I don't know. Would you call this a hobby? No. Did you call Let's it a the, calling,
0: <laughs> an avocation? Yeah. Right. No. What do I got here? So, the, so I got dreams from that was like I March second, two thousand fourteen. I got uh, uh, October twenty sixth of this year. October sixth of this year. Let's see. Yeah. So, I mean, I write these down like probably you know three, four, five times, six, eleven times a year.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't. The thing is, I mean. Oh, so it's not that frequent. Like I was going to say affliction, but oh no, or, I don't. Five do this. times I, a
0: year. Eh, it's just I fun. don't do this a lot, but I mean, you know, okay. So here's a dumb, actual, real-world thing: is that, um, so you say, like, okay, why would you try to write down a dream, or why would you not try to turn it into something useful, or why, why this, why that, why that? And not you, but one, one could say that. Maybe you are saying that, but you know, why, 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 why? Well, you know, that's the same kind of questions you ask yourself to keep you from being a writer, or the same kind of, of questions you ask yourself that that keep you from being. Someone who decides to start drawing. And so, I mean, like, part of it is, like, I want to be vulnerable. I mean, to me, you can't grow until you're a little vulnerable. And so sometimes I'll just piss on a spark plug, uh, in the words of your favorite movie, and I'll just, you know, write these things down just to see what happens. And sometimes it is part of me where I'm already retroactively nostalgic about the dream and I want to, like, capture it, which is like, you know, you know, nailing jelly to a tree. But then uh, what, I'm, what I'm saving you from, you can't believe how much I'm saving you from here, which is my entire actual methodology for trying to walk backwards through a dream. So we'll save that for another episode.
1: You know, if you're going to say it, you should say it now. Because this, like, well, before we get off the topic of the of whether it's useful or whatever, I, I don't think there has to be a purpose. I don't think you have to be turning into anything. I don't think, like, if, if it's fun, like, that's why I described it as a hobby. Like, if it's something that, like, floats your boat, that it is a fun thing to do, uh, it's no different than doing a crossword puzzle. It's like, what's the point of the crossword puzzle? Are you turning the crossword puzzle into something useful or using it to learn how to write new crossword? No, you just want to do a crossword puzzle because it's fun. <laughs> right, right, so it's right. It's exactly the same thing. It's just a little game you play with yourself and your brain. But, like, most people don't choose this game. Like, I know people do dream journaling, but those tend to be the people who think there's some kind of meaning behind dreams but what you're playing is kind of like a game with yourself like do you, do you find yourself going back to this text file never and looking at it and no, this is the
0: first time i've looked at any of these since i wrote them down <laughs> so
1: it's like it's like keeping stuff in your house that you're never going to look at again.
0: not true not true because they, they don't weigh anything um you know once the dream is over or whatever like who cares you go on with your day you go have your same mundane experience
1: but um no but it doesn't cost oh, no, what i'm getting is like the, the the act of writing it down is the is the fun and then after that it doesn't even matter if it's gone yeah
0: yeah but i mean even if I don't know.
1: I mean, like, should you not have a notebook if you don't write down things you go back to? No, no, I'm saying I'm just trying to understand this in the context of like as, <laughs> as a recreation. It's the same kind of context that I came to understand your your sort of musical career and playing in bands. It's, it's recreation. And so it doesn't uh, like a crossword puzzle. It doesn't need to be a reason. It doesn't need to be a yeah. goal for your life's work. It's fun to do. You, your analogy was perfect with skiing. Like, why the hell do you ski? You're trying to get down mountains fast. Is that going to no, it's just a fun thing to do.
0: That's yeah, you're helping me really solidify an idea that's way beyond dreams, which is that um, so it's like an ancient bird um the amazing thing is like it's it's uh the more you do something purely for its own sake the more difficult it is to explain to people
1: who do- don't understand why you well, want to do that it, it shouldn't be because like you give the analogy you know like you just just say every second of the night i live another life and then they'll be like all right i get it is that a song i don't know could be hmm permiso Awesome. I'm getting, I'm getting, what is that Live Lynch movie? Mahan Drive? Is that the one I'm thinking of?
0: Pedro delivers three to five surprises per day. What was the other thing? <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can go and learn more about Squarespace right now by going to squarespace.com. I've been a huge fan of Squarespace. I've been an evangelist of Squarespace for over five years now. It's not only the place that I use for hosting many of my sites and podcasts. It is also the first place that I recommend for anyone wanting to do the the same. If you've ever listened to Roderick on the line, turns out that is hosted on Squarespace. That is where you are literally listening to it. They are great. Here's the thing. Squarespace sites are professionally designed masterpieces. They look great right out of the box, regardless of your skill level. They offer intuitive, easy-to-use tools. Take all the pain out of getting your stuff up. Squarespace also has state-of-the-art technology that powers your site. That ensures security and stability. Even if you get a link from a popular Internet personality like John Syracusa, there is no Z in Syracusa. Squarespace is trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected companies in the world. But today I want to remind you also that Squarespace offers an amazing commerce functionality. That means you can run your own online store using Squarespace. And believe me, Squarespace does so much of the heavy lifting for you here. Your store looks beautiful on mobile. Managing orders is painless. And this is the amazing part. They even help you determine shipping rates and generate labels for your goods all in one place. Solid gold. The wonderful part is that Squarespace plans start at a very affordable $8 per month. And that includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year, which you should totally do. Please check these folks out. They're old friends of ours. Tell your friends about it. You can start your free trial today with no credit card required by visiting squarespace.com. When you're ready to sign up, all you got to do is use that special offer code DIFFS, D-I-F-F-S. That will get you 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all the great shows. Squarespace, build it beautiful.
1: Have you ever seen... So you saw Jodorowsky's Dune documentary, I'm guessing. I didn't. I know. I didn't. I, I know all about it. I really mean to watch it. Well,
0: I, I, the reason I ask, I, I don't, I mean, that's, that's a very fun documentary. Have you ever seen any of Jodorowsky's
1: actual films? I don't think so. I think the only time I've even heard his name is because of the documentary. And Maybe I have. He names them as common, you Well, know, I'm going to send you, uh,
0: right now, in the robot, I'm going to send you, you don't have to watch it now, unless you choose to, the trailer for his movie, The Holy Mountain. And I, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty wackadoodle. But you know, I I just have a thing, I do have a thing for I'm trying to think of the movies here. There I I do I mean surrealism is fun for its own sake. Surrealism as a thing is fun because it's the juxtaposition of things that just should not be together. And for somebody who enjoys the Marx brothers and having a child, the idea of mi- mixing things together that don't belong together for no reason is fun. It's it is kind of a druggy thing to enjoy two things that should not be next to each other. Whereas I, I think with magic realism or with something like Jodorowsky, there's something bigger going on. There's something much more, uh, sometimes silly, but frequently, um, I don't know. There's a bigger story to be told. that isn't just about unexpected juxtaposition. There's, you know what I mean? Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, did you ever read a hundred years of, of uh, solitude? I did not. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm watching
1: this trailer and I, yeah, this, this is not up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> nah.
0: When the bird flies out of the bullet wound.
1: Like, the video for that song <laughs> whose name I can't pronounce. Prison Call and Ansonian Cusel? That's about my limit. Okay. <sighs> God, I feel like I need a nap. <laughs> I wonder, if, is that actually how you pronounce that That you and John seem to have come to a uh, unspoken agreement on how to pronounce the title of that song? But I have the sneaking suspicion that it has no bearing on how the actual thing is pronounced.
0: Technically, I think it's... Uh... Prison colinensi Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Where's Vitici when we need him?
0: Dun, da, da.
1: We should we should get on Slack and have him pronounce it for us. Yeah, that's he he provides that as a service.
0: <laughs> Federico Vitici as a service. Yeah. Vass. Boy, did you listen to that episode of that Italian podcast he was on? Well It was it all in Italian?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I well, no. Somebody posted it.
0: Somebody posted it in the Slack. And I went and listened to it. My goodness. Well, you know, Federico is already a very, you know, very, very musky, attractive man. <laughs> but like yes. he- hearing him speak in Italian, my God, what a beautiful language!
1: So yep. beautiful. I, the, my favorite thing about Italian. And this is another dream logic thing. <laughs> is that I, I will very quickly believe that I can understand it. I can't. Oh, yeah. I I do not understand Italian. But, like, when I watch The Godfather, because I've seen the movie so many times, and because the subtitles are right below it, I will convince myself 17 times during that movie that I can understand Italian. I can't. I absolutely cannot understand. But I will, (laughs) like, wait a second. I understand Italian. No, you don't. Stop it. You just, you know the movie. (laughs) Oh, God. I thought of you tonight before I came into the uh, the studio, as I call
0: it. Uh, We were watching uh, Kitchen Nightmares, and it was an Italian restaurant in Boston. So, there were these two women... Fantastic episode. These two sisters that run this restaurant, and they're super Italian and super Bostonian, and their accent was exquisite.
1: Was it like a Bostonian accent or an Italian one?
0: Well, it was, an, it was a mostly Italian-American accent, but with kind of comically Boston inflections. You know, the kind of boston
1: Long Islandy mm-hmm. kind of like strange vowel sound. They're different. They're, they are different. But yeah, I can see how I can see how people not from around here can get them confused because they do have some similar qualities. Many years
0: later, as he faced the firing squad, Colonel Aureliano Buendia was to remember that distant afternoon when his father took him to discover ice. First Is line it? of 100 Years of Solitude, one of my favorite first lines of a movie, <laughs> of, a, of a book. I thought that was from your dream journal. <laughs> he's, an, he's an ancient, an ancient cat.
1: And then it, I guess it was more coherent than your than your little fragments that you have in your. I'm not here to please you. <laughs> was it, an, it was an
0: ancient. Cat, it was an ancient bird. Is that what it can was? You,
1: can you tell me? Can you tell me this yeah. before we finally get off this? Yeah. Are there capital letters in your little thing that you write down about your dreams? Uh, yeah.
0: Punctuation. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly, you know, up down. Sometimes it's all lowercase if I'm doing it on the iPhone. But yeah. Yeah. Because
1: that's what I'm picturing. I'm I'm picturing,
0: like, Ian Cummings going on over there. Yeah, no, no, that's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's one. Uh, This is part of... This is the continuation after... You're literally speaking into the ear of an ancient bird that seems dead. It remembers everything. New line, new line. Later, genre of sci-fi. It's okay to explain away some things with... Because science, quote-unquote. Almost like censorship-style black dots, but a big metaphorical dot over something and say, Hey, it's this way because science or whatever else just made it that way, even though you haven't figured it out yet at least in the story, TK Reason. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, can't, it, TK you can't make this up. Can you, you can't in your, make in this up. your own dreams.
0: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, March 2nd, 2014, at 4.30 in
1: the morning. I thought to write that down. Does not it, it drive your wife nuts that you are like... She doesn't know any of this. Things, she doesn't know any of things, this. Typing things with your thumbs at I 4 in the to, morning? John,
0: I have to have a relationship with her. She doesn't know any of this. Leadership. Take over an adjacent square. Somewhere we were talking about something. You were there, but you were not there. It was my porch, but not my <laughs> porch. I was in an adjacent square. Was an ancient bird. T.K. T.K. Black And, hey, it's this way. Because science or whatever else just made
1: it that way, even mm-hmm. though you haven't yeah. figured it out yet. No, I need to have it talking to you about the whole because science thing. But it's a different
0: and you, uh, we were talking about what was the movie in particular? And it wasn't,
1: oh, you know, I bit
0: Duke. I might have mentioned Baba Duke. And you said, like, without much provocation, you, uh, you don't like scary movies. Nope. Nope. So, nope. and you, nope. it sounds like perhaps you avoid scary movies. I do. What is your background on scary movies and what brought you to where you are? I
1: don't like to blame my, my opinion on scary movies blame, on blame like, the ancient for, birds. For, formative experiences or ancient birds, whatever they remember. Like, I, I, I think this is a disposition. Issue because I, and I've seen lots of you know entertainment industry surveys about this stuff. You can pretty neatly divide the world into people in, into two groups: people who like scary movies, people who don't. Right? And like, they, and it's dispositional. It's not as if, well, you know, it's not like I, I don't like nonfiction or I don't like documentaries. It's like, oh, maybe you haven't seen the right documentaries and you can get into them. And hey, I can appreciate a good documentary. I don't like them. It's like either scary movies are your thing or they are not. And I am the type of person who does not. I appreciate scary movies and i do have formative experiences that taught me this in the same way that the fifth grade whale watch trip taught me that i get seasick um i my scary movie my scary movie memories i think that the far as back go is poltergeist which i forget what year they came out in, but i certainly didn't see it 80 81 80 i think it was 81 or 82 was that rated r i don't remember anyway no it was pg definitely didn't see it in the theater but that movie is so much freakier than most people remember I, saw, I don't know how. I must have seen it like VHS or it was on TV or I had HBO. I don't know. Like I, You can do the math. and What it will probably work out, too, is that I was way older than I think I was. But the bottom line was I was not ready to see Poltergeist because I don't think I had seen any movie that was even attempting to scare you at all until that point. And Poltergeist scared me to my core. Like it was the scariest thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. Like, I couldn't even believe that it was, like, legal to make this kind of media. I was terrified from it. And the the, the long-lasting ramifications of having seen that movie when I was not prepared for it just lasted for years and years. Years oh, and no. years of, like, of tree branches on windows and just... <laughs> These are a few of my least favorite things. Like, <laughs> Yeah, just the whole, you know nothing seeming safe because it was in like a suburban house. It was like my suburban house, right? Uh, the television static on the television, like a whole line. I remember at some point that movie, like, like the, the big giant skulls coming through the thing and they're pulling out a rope. And like, I couldn't even believe like that. It was, the, the, that it was getting worse. And it was just like, I don't know why I kept watching the movie scared the crap out of me. And after that, I knew I was not into scary things, but I would still find myself accidentally slipping into them. Like, uh, not Amazing Stories, but a similar type of show that was on USA at some point. It, it so, was so, like- so not just, just to be clear, not just, we're not
0: talking about like uh, Stuart Wellington movies, not just slasher and gore, not simply horror, but like something about like spooky. You don't like spooky stuff.
1: Well, like so I, was saying, I once I knew that I was into scary movies, I spent what seemed like a real long time recovering from Poltergeist, but I would find myself watching things on television that I didn't think were going to be like that. It was Amazing Stories. Who doesn't love Amazing Stories? You know, you got so many good things. on. I was fine with, like, sci-fi. I was never really scared by aliens like that. But there was a show like Amazing Stories on USA. I forget what it was. Some really low-rent, like you know the crypt keeper was it the crypt keeper no it wasn't it wasn't that but it was, it was it was in a similar vein of like some story And this this particular episode and i would watch those things because they were like funny like they were you know they were cheesy funny and sometimes there would be like a sci-fi premise or a mystery or there was a twist or something and i would enjoy them um and i seemed i seemed immune from them i guess i had recovered from Poltergeist and this one that i saw was the premise was when the protagonist looked in a mirror there was always some person behind him coming like wearing black or something, walking menacingly slowly towards him. And of course he turned around and there would be nobody. There. Okay. That's, that's horrifying. Right. And, uh, and you know, and the whole idea was, you know, he, he just started to like, it's like, well, i just don't look in a mirror. I'm fine. Uh, but eventually like he couldn't help like looking in like the glass of a window and he'd see this, this, this evil thing getting closer and closer. And eventually in his house, he like spray painted all the shiny surfaces black. And I think that the, the, the silly twist ending thing was like, he was looking into a water glass, or some, or maybe his like his lover's eyes, or some some surface that he hadn't spray painted over turned out to be reflective, and then the thing eventually came up to him and got him. Wait, stu- What? Come on, come a stupid, on! Wait, a stupid story. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like mirrors. <laughs> a, a, yeah, a, it, it's a very stupid story. Doesn't make any sense. I don't know how long in my house that was filled with mirrors, oh, I avoided no. looking in them. Oh, that's so... That's, and it, I was old enough to know, like, this is stupid. There's nothing in the right. mirror. You can look at them. But the other part of my brain would go, you know what, maybe don't look at them anyway. But that's the brilliance of something like Poltergeist or what you're describing is it, it takes something
0: that's very m- mundane and common. And one thing that was so great about Twilight Zone in some cases was it would take something so that you really knew and, or again, magic realism, it takes something that you think you really know and makes it unfamiliar. And in that case, now you're going to see that everywhere.
1: Yeah, and so when I got older, my rational brain eventually won out over these things. I saw a Poltergeist, like, at some point in my adult life and could not believe how incredibly dumb and cheesy and not scary in any possible way this movie was, right? Really? You still think so? Yeah, so, like, it just not, like, it is, even though, like, this is like, oh, this is a big movie that scared you, it just looks stupid to me now. But um, modern horror movies, even stupid stuff like Jump Scares, jump scares affect everybody. Like there isn't, if you, Uh if there's no one out there that is immune to jump scares because eventually one, some movie will wrap you up enough to to the point where you get, you know, jump scares are cheap, they're there whatever. I don't like the feeling of having a jump scare. I just don't like it. Some people like it. It's thrilling or whatever. I don't know why I don't like it. Why it feels like, feels like damage. Like it feels like a thing that I don't want to happen. I don't like to have that feeling at all. Uh, It's not, it's like eating hot food. Like, you know, and anything that sort of puts your body under physical or emotional stress. Or like a roller coaster in a situation that's not actually dangerous, but it's triggering all those danger responses. You get the endorphin rush or whatever. Right. It's it's, it's, it's kind of emotionally tearing. Yeah, and scary movies, for whatever reason, they give me all that same feelings as everyone else, but I say, you know what? F you. I don't like that feeling. I don't want to be scared. I don't want to feel menaced. I don't want to have a jump scare. I don't want to uh, feel that someone is being uh, attacked or whatever. Like, I want there to be a story. I want there to be adventure. There can be danger or whatever, but like, horror movies uh movies that are about like you know torture porn movies right. uh lots and lots of gore uh jump scares even psychological horror with with ghosts like every genre of horror movie it just it's not a thing that i want to engage in because i can watch them and i can get through them and i don't at this point have the problem where like if i watch one of them then i won't be able to look into mirrors or whatever but i don't like it i don't enjoy it and so i'm just not a scary movie person and I don't begrudge people other people i understand right, exactly right. why they enjoy them but I don't know how those two things connect, or if they do at all, because when I was a kid, before my rational brain brain grew in, really they just terrified me. I Maybe mean, it's you know you had such an easy childhood there was nothing to actually be scared of. You spent your entire you know <laughs> years of your life being terrified by poltergeist. Um, but I did like it, it. Really felt traumatizing to me, and it was really difficult for me to shake. I think just because like kids have an active imagination, and your imagination is this terrible adversary that you just well, cannot. You you just have so much. Your
0: you're like you notice everything so much more when you're a kid it takes much less and we talk i think we've talked about this before like how you don't really know what's going to scar your kid it's because everybody's different and it's difficult to know like what you're going to be sensitive to until it's already too late and i know, also though like there's different reasons people like different kinds of quote-unquote horror movies or scary movies some people like the rush of being scared some people like the gore and the kind of revulsion of something like that. Some people like pushing themselves to how much they can sort of like... like do you remember when like Faces of Death was really popular? Yeah, I was never interested in oh, that. No, like, that me, no I was actively
1: against it. I thought it was exactly... It was, it was, what, it was gruesome and just like not... like Either it's fake and it's dumb or it's yep. real and it's something we shouldn't be looking at.
0: And in any case, when I was at the height of my punk rock, you know... <laughs> left-wing progressivism i thought it represented like basically the downfall of decent society that there were so many people that wanted to watch people being killed in a movie but i mean everybody has their different reasons it's just that it's funny because i think some of the people who are super into things like scary movies like are are kind of more playful about it where they see it as you know i mean I, yeah, it's like I'm a not... roller
1: coaster it's like a thrill ride right 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 i mean and the, the entire time they're you know I I don't know. I try to parse like the, the people who I hear who are most into horror movies these days are the people in the flop house, and I try to parse their their love of it. It's <laughs> head, like head well, of the family, you got Castle yeah, there's, Freak. <laughs> there's like the B movies and like because I've seen what Dead Alive, or whatever the but the Peter Jackson thing that he did before. Uh, oh, that's like, a, that's a fun creatures. movie, Yeah. right? And and like that one is like okay, well, it's ridiculous. It's that involves somebody getting killed with score. a lawnmower. Yeah, there's a big lawnmower scene. Right, there's right. the end of the movie where the 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 mother is trying to pull her child back into her. It, very, through various orifices and it's just terrible. Like it, but I don't. I don't enjoy those, but they also don't scare me. But right. I, I feel like when the when those guys who are big horror movie fans talk about it, they want a horror movie that actually gets them. They want a movie that gets them into it enough where the jump scares work. And maybe they'll think that's cheap, but they want like the sort of they want to be scared. Bottom line is they want to be scared. And then you're very jaded after you've seen a lot of horror movies. It takes a lot to scare you. Oh, you, so you know, really... you know,
0: you know the playbook.
1: You know, right.
0: I, I, I enjoyed like for example when they talked about the one is it Unfriended. Yep. Is that, I, don't, I don't know if that
1: was... The yeah, that. it was like all, all done through the screen where you'd see like a computer screen and a different windows opening.
0: Yeah, I feel like especially with Dan and a little bit Stuart, you could get this kind of not precisely, you know, I, I, I love Final Judgments. I love the way they phrase Final Judgments, you know, and the way it's like, you know, yeah, it's, but it's actually a movie I kind of liked. Like, I got the feeling that Dan was kind of like, I, I, you know, he didn't, I don't remember if he exactly said this, but he seemed to kind of admire the way it was done and, and kind of grudgingly admitted that some of the jump scare stuff was actually pretty scary.
1: Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's, just, but I think what the jaded, like, why things like The Descent get these rave reviews is like, I thought I, the, there's nothing that a horror movie could do to scare me anymore, and this one managed to, because it like, it, it got me wrapped up in the story enough where I, where the scares worked, whereas another one you're like, this is just by the numbers, and it's stupid, and it wasn't even that gory, and it wasn't funny, and it wasn't over the top, and you know, and then it's just, right, uh, but I don't want, I don't want a movie to scare me like that, I don't, I don't seek yeah. that out. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I'm thinking about two very important,
0: very, very good, scary movies that changed the game. I think uh, Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist. And, you know, there are people today who like to, like, go, oh, yeah, The Exorcist, that's, like, really, that looks really stupid now. I disagree. I, I mean, like, it's campy at points. But I think the thing, well, both movies, the thing that both movies share that I think is later continued in the tradition of things like The Baba Duke is to take something that's extremely familiar and usually very warm in this case, family, you know, parenthood, motherhood in particular, and turn it into something. So wait, so that's the first part. The first part is you take like, okay, parent and motherhood, we understand that. But then, again, now we're back to pregnancy. Like, there's so much weird chemistry in your brain when you're pregnant. You feel so vulnerable. You feel so scared. You're like, oh my God, if something goes wrong, like, why do I suddenly feel like that sushi might be poisoned? Like, there's all kinds of things that women feel. I I can't tell you how many women I've met who cannot stand the smell of meat being cooked. Why is that a common thing? Well, because there's something that goes on in your mind. Like once you've been through that process, you remember that feeling of like at, at the once, like all the, all the positive feelings that everybody likes to talk about on mommy blogs and then all the negative feelings that some people talk about on mommy blogs. It's super complicated. But that, that, those two movies, the way that they combine, like so shockingly combined, something very familiar and usually warm with something like Beyond the Pale. Like, that's what made those movies scary. It wasn't like there's a guy with bolts in his neck walking around. You know, I, I think that's, and again, with Poltergeist, to some extent, that's what works. Definitely what works in the Babadook. And I, I think there is a very Roman Polanski kind of mind that enjoys watching something like, like that just because you know it's provoking some little nerve center in your head about something that should feel
1: familiar. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I'm still vulnerable to probably body horror. I think is the term of art about that, like horror movies that are like, imagine if your body did this. Like, I mean, oh, I like the, the human- Japanese movie Tetsuo, is that or, what it's called? or even like, uh, uh, you know, I guess Human Centipede, which I've never seen, could be a oh, similar God. thing. But just body horror movies, especially like I said, pregnant woman. Like, you may have these these sick beliefs about what could be happening to your body, but imagine if it really was. Imagine if it was like this. I think I'd probably still be vulnerable to that. I'm not vulnerable to being scared that the, you know, the tree branches outside my window is something's coming to get right. And I'm not vulnerable to the, the silly mirror things and stuff like that. But I think if I saw body heart, like I think images, even synthesized images can stick in your brain in a way that I don't want right. them to. I'm very sensitive to seeing something gross. I don't want to see something gross because yeah. there there's, there's a gross thing that I don't even want to describe that I saw that is not actually a horror movie that is real, just a real actual animal that's gross looking. Not a dead animal, not a mutilated animal, just a plain old living animal the way it looks when it's perfectly healthy and alive is one of the grossest things I've seen in my life. It was many, many years ago, and I tried to think about it, but it's still in my brain. There's no way in hell I would willingly watch a fictional thing where someone's trying to shove images like that in my brain. No, thank you. I don't want it. I don't want it at all. Like, I can't even stand another image that I'm not going to describe because I'll think about it too much. One of, In those stupid Taboola ads or whatever they are at the bottom where they have those boxes, one of the boxes is for gross-out images, and one of them got to me. And I just, like, I need to get, like, an ad blocker just for that one image. I don't even oh, want to no. think about it. Yeah, t- here we go. Tetsuo, the Iron Man. Um, I'm
0: trying to think of the stuff that really... S- Scarred is maybe too strong a word, but I don't know if you, I mean, you've heard Back to Work. The first episode of Back to Work we ever did is called Alligator in the Bathroom. And it was about a time that we were watching Abbott and Costello <laughs> meet Frankenstein. And I had this, this is, again, the very first episode of our show, January 2011. And I remember having, when I was a kid, I was probably three or four, and I suddenly had the most overwhelming feeling. I, this is so random. The most overwhelming feeling that there was an alligator in the bathroom. And my parents thought it was hilarious. But do you remember being a little kid and getting an idea in your head? The same way that you would get that, like, that image in your head? I remember driving around like in 12th grade, like what you just described, seeing a dachshund that had been hit in the road. And then like, trying to deal with this dachshund that was dying that the p- people in front of us had just hit. And like, that image will be in my mind forever. I'll never get that out of my mind. You can't unsee certain images. It just, it's strange. I wonder what it is that causes certain things to be something you
1: really imprint on. Uh, the, the only science that I know behind that, which makes perfect sense to me, which is probably why I believe with any of have experimental results is like, um, if you have any kind of experience at the same time that you are under physical or emotional stress, right. The, those like, two, like a car accident in slow motion kind of yeah thing. those things yeah. will and the one they always do is like they they do the most tame thing ever where they just you know show a series of images on a screen and they ask you to recall them later like a square a circle what color was it whatever. i don't know just bogus crap you have to remember um and then they quiz you and see how many you can remember uh and then like the control group just does that and then at the end they say what was the sequence of images you saw, or whatever and the the experimental group has their forearm shoved in a bucket of ice water during the whole time And the the bucket of ice water people remember it, like, way more than the other people. Wow. And, and like, what's – if you ever put your arm in a bucket of ice water, it hurts. Like, it's not the most painful thing ever. And they're only there for a couple minutes. So it's not like they're, you know, going into – you know, they're in an otherwise warm room and they're fully clothed and there's no danger or whatever. But it really – like, if you ever stuck your hand or your arm in a bucket of ice water, it really just gets very uncomfortable very fast. That's all it takes. Just a little bit of discomfort. Now imagine if you're going through adolescence, where you might as well have your entire body immersed in ice water for the number <laughs> of like things that are coursing through your brain at all times. Right. Like, or, or you know, you, oh my God, that's that's a dog that's that got hit by a car. It's going to die. Of course, it's going to cement in your little brain because it's like my my mental model of this, based on this experimental results, is like grooves being run into a road. And it's like when you are under any kind of physical or emotional stress, or both at the same time it's like adding weight to the carriage on the muddy road it's like this is gonna really dig in those grooves this is gonna cement this into your brain it's why you know people have experiences in war where you're grievously injured and you've just seen your friend die that right, stuff is right. never gonna leave you because that's the most stress your brain is ever gonna be under its entire life every second of things that go on there will just it cement themselves into your brain like like nobody's business right that's and so that that makes perfect sense to me and again i My understanding of how that works for myself and I think for most people is I don't want to induce that through a piece of media to stick something in there that I don't want to be be turning over in my mind for the rest of my life. I just don't want to do that. No, I totally get that. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I think it's totally normal and
0: should be respected that people have certain kinds of sensibilities i think there, there is a tendency to sort of think like oh you're a prude or you're a wuss or whatever and like yeah, i don't know i just think people have different kinds of makeup it doesn't it's not a question of like how strong you are it's a question of like what your sensibilities are and i you know it's it's kind of a bummer that i think a lot of us end up doing a lot of stupid stuff because we get goaded into it by people who are trying to make us feel bad about
1: you know what our sensibilities yeah. are that never happened to me although like i think there is a there there is another side of this like at a certain point the overall goodness of a piece of media as long as it's not going too far in the hard direction can mm-hmm. can overcome it like so the best example is the movie seven which i guess is a horror movie and it has some scary parts but i have no problem with the movie seven like some things in it hmm, spaghetti like, guy yeah, turned over a little bit of my mind, but for the most part, because it hangs together as such, like a, a, a good, interesting story and yeah. and filmmaking and piece of art, um, and it doesn't rely on body horror or too many jump scares or an unimaginable thing happening. It was kind of unimaginable. The guy's pretty mean what he does to those people, but in the (laughs) grand scheme of things, it's it's very tame compared to, like... Yeah, but I mean, the the universe makes sense. Whether or not it's, you know, plausible, it makes sense. Or even just compared to, like, you know, Japanese horror, like, audition, or, like, things that are just, like, bizarre and are gonna really stick... Like, what sticks (laughs) with me about it is the... The the story and the the you know the fact that it's raining the whole freaking movie until the end which I thought was really clever and, and that, like, that, be- that beautiful day they drive down the road <laughs> yeah like I mean so I love I, that movie and you know what, I mean, just for what it's worth John I've seen that one all the way through several times yeah yeah no I that's love why, that. that I love why, that movie that's why I brought up the game because that's my favorite Fincher movie but like I don't find myself revisiting Seven but I'm glad that I watched it and I don't regret it and like that's I take a chance and stuff like that because I'm like you know what I really like David Fincher and people are giving this movie good reviews and even though it's kind of a horror movie I will watch it but. Very rarely, well, I can't imagine. I can't think yeah. of the last horror movie that I saw willingly. Like, do, do you watch these scary things willingly at, on any regular basis on your own? I'm going to say no.
0: Um, I'm trying to think like of things that I've. You know what it is? I think I'm a. I'm a little bit of a fancy indie guy. Where like, if I hear about something that is getting very, very good reviews, um, that's or that's doing something very differently. Uh, I will check it out. So like the Duke is one that I checked out that I was like, yeah, this is
1: actually like very, very well done. What was the other one? It's Cabin in the Woods, right? Oh, Cabin in the Woods. Well, that's, you know. Like, so I, mean, I watched Cabin in the Woods and Scary Movie. Why did I watch them? Because both of them are like, oh... The Cabin in the Woods, a, that's not really a horror movie. But it's it's a snarky, knowing take on the horror movie. Like, Scream, same thing, right? Even though yeah. I don't really have the cultural background to understand everything in Scream, I have enough. Like, I've seen enough of the Friday the 13th movies. I've seen, like, The Nightmare on Elm Street. It's like, I've seen, you know... As a kid of the 80s, I did see these movies. For the most part, I saw them at the point where they weren't really going to scare me. Right. But I could get all the references. So Scream, I thought, was great. It was really enjoyable and fun. And Cabin in the Woods, a little bit less so, but I understood what they were getting at. But but it was, it, one was of them it was it was really invested. It was
0: invested in its, in its idea, in, in its implementation. You know what I mean? Like there, but, but by the time you get to the point where all the CGI is starting to go crazy, you're like, wow, they it wasn't like they just ran out of ideas. Like it's, this is, this, I thought it was fun. I thought it was really yeah, fun. Like
1: it's for people who clearly love horror movies made for people who love them. And uh, I was like, I would love people for do that to the genres. I mean, basically they have like kill bill. Is that for me? Because I love right. those Kung Fu movies and someone made an amazing like movie from a guy who loves Kung Fu movies. And I love so that movie. Yeah. Cabin in the woods and scream are kind of like that. And I, and I watch those like, but that, that is basically it. like, even though people were giving raves for what are those? Uh, Aronofsky. What's the guy who is always hurting people on film? i think i did pie no no maybe maybe he did do pie i, I yeah, like Aronofsky's, the movie's um but the one with uh the one with the uh, green god oh yeah right 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 he did um requiem for dream he did the wrestler black yeah, so, swan uh, that's it i've seen Requiem for the dream and black swan again two movies uh, Requiem for the dream i probably would not watch again. black swan had enough artistic america that i watched it, and it wasn't to grow like yeah. for someone who keeps saying oh i don't like scary movies you're listening off all these movies i've seen them when they're good but like but again things like it follows or the descent i will not watch those like i have no desire to ever see them and i want to avoid right. them
0: yeah well you know it depends on what it's what it's there for i mean like a, a movie like saw saw is almost like meta meta porn because like you can watch a movie like that and it's 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 so horrible. And it's, But it's almost – it's campy, I guess is the word that I'm looking for, even, even as it is very dedicated to its, its awfulness. One thing I keep thinking about, I'm trying to think of like the movies or the images that got stuck in my head and kept – I can think of three things that really stuck with me for years. One was at an – so I started watching The Twilight Zone in junior high. But even years before that, it must have been when I was a very little kid. Twilight Zone was probably fairly recently in syndication. Do you remember the episode? Did you, were you a
1: fan as a kid? Did you watch it? I think I've only seen like reruns here and there. So you know, I've know right, I know right. a few famous episodes, but yeah, tell sure, me sure, episode sure. I'll tell you. What seen.
0: Well, there was one that all I remember about it is Agnes Moorhead from you know, or the Orson Welles movies and Bewitched was in it, and it involved little tiny robots like toy robots walking around and it, scared the living shit out of me. And for years, I would think about it. Like, when I was going to bed at night, I would think about it. And I don't know why. I don't know why. I mean, like, it was Lady from Bewitched and Toy Robots. And for some reason, I don't know why. Who knows why? Again, back to my uh, my, my beloved play Equus by Peter Shaver. Moments snap together like magnets. How, do, we, do I have any idea why that got to me the way that it did? But it did. Why would Agnes Moorhead and Toy Robots affect me like that?
1: Well, I mean, you had
0: toys. Another one... I was watching TV after I was supposed to be watching TV because I was a weird little kid. I'd snuck out of bed and I think I was watching the tonight show. This would be about 1973, 74, 75. I should be able to tell exactly here by looking at the thing here. 1974 advertisement for a movie on TV during the tonight show called beyond the door. And it was just basically like a door and a creepy voice I have never been so scared in my entire life as watching the sitting there and being in this case, what was I eight, seven or eight? I was so freaking scared.
1: And I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah, like Very young kids are very susceptible to that. And I see this like with my own children who are basically both very scared of things. But then I had they have friends, like especially when they were very young, they have friends who would be similar ages to them. And these friends were like, can't see any movie where anyone is in peril. Like they, they can't they can't handle Toy Story until they're like 12. Right. Oh,
0: my, oh my God. It's. It's the trailers up on YouTube. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to watch this. Oh, my God. And then the other one, finally, 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 uh, a movie called Magic with Anthony Hopkins in which he had a ventriloquist dummy. Do you remember the oh, ad for this? No, I... Hocus pocus, take it to bed. <laughs> Magic is fun. Another USA dead.
1: movie. It might have been a grip The win. movie, Another the US thing movie.
0: is, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at YouTube and looking at screen grabs. Like, this looks terrible. It looks awful.
1: Yeah, no, they were all bad, low budget. Like, but anyway, ventriloquist dummies. Yeah, like there was one with a ventriloquist dummy who like chases after a woman with a knife. The worst, um, the, like, the a, like a Chucky kind of thing. It's not. It wasn't Chucky. It was way pre-Chucky. But it was just it was a ventriloquist ventriloquist dummies, ventriloquous dummies are, are creepy. So are clowns, right? And so yeah. there's so many. And you don't even have to do that good of a job. And if you're, and I, I think it also has to do with the atmosphere. Like I said, sneaking out of bed late at night. Like when yep. I was when I was a kid, I actually had a television, like a bar television, up in the corner of my room. Um, and so I spent a lot of time watching television way after I was supposed to. Sure. And at two in the morning, the stupid thing with the ventriloquist dummy that grabs a knife out of the kitchen drawer and, <laughs> and cuts this woman is oh. all scary. Like, you know, ventriloquist dummies are creepy, right? And that one didn't really stick with me. I think I was sort of coming out of it there. But it's like, why was I even doing that to myself? You just get roped into watching these scary things. And you know, But I mean,
0: I- don't you think part of it is the like, maybe not for you, but for some people, there's the just sort of challenge of like, can I take it like a roller coaster? Like there's just, like, there's an element yeah, of like,
1: when I was a kid, like that's the whole reason I've seen Friday the 13th and the nightmare Street because all my contemporaries had seen it and it seemed like a thing you had to see. And, and so I would just endure it so I could be part of the conversation. <laughs> sure, sure. Right. Sure. It was a macho thing or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and, and truth be told, those were not that scary and they were pretty silly. So that wasn't that big of a deal. But like, but at that point I was still trying to shake poltergeists Like, it just and <laughs> I and I feel like a lot of people have that experience, like when they're when they're too young and they see something, whatever it may be, where it's Bambi dying or just like a large margin and uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, or whatever. <laughs> that's just one jump scare. But like you know, Large Margin is a great example. You talk to so many people of our age, and they'll they'll they say they remember Large march It's the silliest, stupidest, cartoonish jump scare in the history of the world. But it's in the middle of of a movie where like you don't expect it. The whole rest of the movie is like Pee Wee Herman. Everything's funny. I was I was 18, I was eighteen or nineteen when I saw it, and I still jumped. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it was totally
1: no, like claymation because <laughs> it's, it's out of nowhere it's in the middle of this movie and so the, the young, younger you are when you see that like that can be you know I, I feel like there is a place for whatever that formative scary thing is like Bambi comes up a lot for people our age too like you see that when you're young and you can't even believe this thing is happening it's the worst thing you've ever seen in your life and right. And like it's the type of movie where if you have kids these days when you just play the same thing over and over again uh, where they where your kid will want to see a movie but will leave the room for a certain section of the movie or we demand that the movie starts after the scary part and how many years do you go through like uh doing that for them or like why you know i think parents gonna relate to this if you watch a movie and your kids will ask for this movie but at a certain point they can't be in the room oh yeah that was that was when she was three that was giant we were just
0: talking about this uh actually last night we watched santa claus is coming to town and i was like oh ellie you, you know do you remember when you were little how scared you were of winter when like when you know you know what i mean the you know you, do you know the show the rank and bass show you probably maybe, don't watch this it garbage. Maybe. Yeah, but you know, there's big, big, it's sort of like along the lines of the uh, abominable snowman. In this case, you've got winter, and he shows up, and she would be like, Fast over, daddy, fast over.
1: Like, is its is it 12 <laughs> frames per second, like claymation, stop motion stuff?
0: Oh, a lot of it. I mean, th- they just are inert for several seconds <laughs> at a time. Then there's a continuity error, and then there's a I, Dolly I, Madison I remember commercial. being a little bit scared by the bumble. The bumble is pretty scary. Yeah. Ham hocks and guitar strings. Um,. Uh, what was I going to ask you about? I had a question.
1: Permiso. <laughs> <laughs> Should have written it down. Did you still say fast over? No, I wish uh. I miss it
0: so much. So that, that the classic for that one was Toy Story Two, when the, the, it's the you know uh, cold open with the video game, mm-hmm. and they get to the point where Buzz has to go. You've probably heard this before, but Buzz has to go over like the discs in the air, yep. and he's yep. about to run into you know take the battery out. And she would always say, "Fest over, Daddy. fast over." There's too much, too much tension. Oh my God, so much. She's yeah. um, she's she's you know, but it's funny because I I I like that she's still a little vulnerable. Where like there are things where like she'll be like fake scared sometimes. It's you know, it's really mm-hmm,
1: cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I say the same thing to my daughter about like, do you remember when you were scared about you know what she used to call the robot movie, uh, Castle in the Sky, because it has this scary part oh, towards course. like the middle part where the robot kind of goes berserk, and she. She had to leave the room for that. And so she would ask to see the movie again. She would do the thing where when it got up to the robot part, that was it. The movie was done. Oh, absolutely. And I'm like, absolutely. well, don't you want to see what happens after? And she was like, no, that's it. And now I talked to her about it. Like, do you remember when you were scared of the robot? She basically just says my name and rolls her eyes. Like, <laughs> so. For us, that's the blimp fire
0: in Up. We've never seen <laughs> the end of Up. because No, no, no. They dude, not me. Not me, not me. Like, no, no, it's fine. It's
1: fine. <laughs> It's like, you can do it with the Kid, like, I, like I, I'm totally, like, I feel bad when that happens. I feel like maybe I shouldn't have shown you this movie. Maybe you weren't. I know. Like I said, every kid is different. Talking about the kids who can't handle Toy Story until they're 12, like, I don't blame the kids or the parents. It's just everybody has a different tolerance to this type of stuff, and I feel like I don't want to. I don't want to, like, I never want my kids to experience what I experienced with Poltergeist. And I don't know, maybe there's nothing I can do I know, to stop that, and they're just going to find but something. You never, but you
0: never know. You never know what it's going to be, and, like, yeah, yeah, no, it, it's it's really difficult to know, and but I mean, you know, I'm glad she's not super jaded. I'm glad there's still times where she sees a, somebody getting cut, and that like makes her sad. Like it's a good thing.
1: She's not, she's not. Oh a, yeah, you know, yeah, getting cut that's the, that's a big thing with
0: kids. Like they don't want to see someone. Yeah, Jonas was like cut. that too. John's talked about that. Where like you know there'll be like just this. You'll watch, you know, people getting, you know. Lightsabered and lasered and shot
1: and everything, but you see somebody get a cut on their hand. Yeah, I know. Like if the, someone shoves a knife through someone's boot and the handle breaks off and they try to pull the knife out and don't realize it's just a blade. Wait, what was that? And then he tries to pull it off and he gets
0: any. What was that? What movie was that? Wife, uh, uh, what is yelped. that? We just saw that. Yeah, I know, oh, yeah. F- oh, Fargo?
1: Yes. Oh, my God. I'm not caught up, but I did see that episode. But anyway. <gasps> oh, my God.
0: Uh, so my my uh, wife you in the you other seen room. That, You've my seen my that God. episode? Yes. Oh, my God. We talked quit, about that. You got to quit stabbing him, hon. <laughs>
1: How much do you love Landry on there? Isn't he great? Oh God, those two! Like that that that, that previous episode. Spoilers for Fargo. Stop listening now. Um, uh, and I, my <laughs> wife, I saw that without my wife because I couldn't wait to see it, and then she oh, saw it God. when I was in the other room, and I could hear her like. Yelping and saying things during that scene, and when that thing ends, and they're just they're sheepishly looking with their hands up, I'm like, "Did you think they were going to live to the end of this episode? Because like through all through through no decision of their own, have they are they alive? like it's the most miraculous thing that this episode comes to a close and they are both still alive.
0: How is anybody on that show still alive at any point?
1: They they seriously like they are the type of in Fargo in the movie and in the television series, people who make the decisions they've made. Yes. They would be dead a hundred oh, times over. So, and so then, you're then on, on are, you're on the week. You're on the I'm just one behind. second. to. Oh
0: God. Oh my God. That was such a good episode. And so that's the one also where like, you know, so you saw the shot that I was talking about with the trees. Yeah. Yeah. We was that, about was that. That, did you get a moray on yours? I don't think I did. I would, if I did it, I didn't notice it. I, I don't know. It's like, it's funny. Um, as uh, Jason and Tim Goodman like to say, times of confusion. There's so many great TV shows out right now, but like, I'm, I'm a little giddy when that show comes on each time. Because like, I'm genuinely surprised at how much that show still keeps my attention without seeming gimmicky, while at the same time seem like an utter homage to so many things the Cohn so brothers have done without seeming stagey. I think it's, I think it's
1: triumphant. Yeah, I I think I enjoy it less than uh, everyone else doesn't, and, and I have it in slightly lower esteem than everyone else does, uh, just because my tastes are weird. But I really do appreciate it. Like, it is a delight. It is it is something I look forward to seeing. I don't let build up on the DVR, and I always yeah. know I'm in for something exciting. And then well, they're they're and-
0: still really trying. They're they're still they're swinging for the fences with it. You know, what I mean, like they're really going there. And uh, you know, even if it's not like your favorite thing, like they're still like every week, you're still like ah. Like I, I can't believe that happened.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if it holds together uh, overall arc. I'll see where they go with the with the, <laughs> the end of it. We'll, but, but we'll see. But like what I what I'm comparing it to, which I am still watching and I'm going to re- revisit here because I've heard from a lot of people when we talked about it before. Is I'm still watching the leftovers and I'm almost getting to the point where I'm I'm, I'm ready to pitch you on why you should try watching it. Maybe I watched talk- I
0: watched the I watched um the first episode all the way through and I thought it was
1: it was way more interesting than I expected. It like I I think when we do the other thing that has a thumb in the notes here, recommendation and endorsements. Yeah. yeah when yeah. we do that, I may take that opportunity to try to pitch you on it because I'm almost at the point now, like as I was saying before, like no one should watch this thing and it's a mess and I like it, but I understand that my taste but people is. People are weird. saying season two is totally bananas, right? Yeah. Also that's and it's like, okay, well, you know, it it's almost as if you have to watch season one just so you can have the foundation to appreciate the beginning of season two, which is bonkers. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do right? it. Um but, 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 but season one, okay. It's not going to be like a Buffy-type situation, right? Like the whole
0: first season is like, okay, good, right?
1: No, I think, let's See, let's yeah, if, I'm, if I was going to pitch, I, as I watch season two, I'm thinking, you know what? That's selling it short. The whole season one isn't just like a thing that you watch so you can appreciate season two. Yes, and you have to watch it to appreciate the beginning of season two. But, But you know what? I feel like this thing is really starting to hold together. And like, okay. kind of like, ghost in the shell i don't remember if you uh listen no to that i haven't, I haven't watched cool. that yet no i've heard it but i haven't watched it yet but yeah. but anyway like kind of like ghost in the shell where like you, you step back a few steps and you look at it and you're like seriously this is there is a theme and they're hitting me over the head with it and it is pretty heavy hand and it's like you can't miss the theme the theme is everywhere it's well integrated into the work or whatever but like all right guys we get it um leftovers has that it has a theme it hits you over the head with it and yet somehow you don't you don't decide that it's trite. You don't decide like right. oh, eye rolling, whatever. I understand your theme, blah blah blah. Instead, it just becomes more profound the more they hit you over the head with it, and you're like, how does this even work? How are they? How are they pulling this off? Um, so. I- I'm almost at that. Again, they can blow it. If season two does not come to a reasonable, satisfying conclusion, I don't know. Is it already over? I don't know if the last episode, last episode might've been the last one. If that was the last one, I still give it a thumbs up. Anyway, I will, I will make a better attempt to, to pitch you on it. Maybe you will have seen some of it by then. It's a you long run. I'll, I'll give it a try. I'll, I will totally give it a try. Don't go out of order. You have to go in order. You have to start I will. from I'll, one and go yeah. through. There's not that many episodes, but uh, you I'll absolutely have to. And don't, don't read spoilers. Cause a lot <laughs> of it does rely on you having no idea where the hell anything is going.
0: I feel like I understand now. Um, you, you've explained it well, and um, yeah, you know it, it, it's funny because, like, you know, um, you're somebody who, on the one hand, like, you don't want to watch like super gross, scary stuff, but like, you will slog your way through like Tolkien stuff.
1: Like, you've got. What am uh, I slogging? Whoa, whoa, What am I slogging? What? We're Tolkien running out stuff of time, John. I'm free. We gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> what? What Tolkien stuff was the slog? <laughs> was that a cheap shot? Was that a little bit of a cheap shot? Have you? You're not the one who hasn't read those. Is that? You are the one who hasn't read them, right? Yeah, Are you ready for this? My daughter and my wife
0: have read The Hobbit, and I still have never read anything. Yeah. This is one called Water for Everyone. (laughs) Water for Everyone. Deep breathing. You're the Little League coach, and you're bringing bottles of water for everyone. Hydrate the whole team. That's the breathing. (laughs) It starts deep in the lungs, slowly, not fast and nervous in the mouth. Once the breathing is working, remember, you're not a race car. You're somewhere in a faraway room just watching the
1: gauges and dials showing what the race car is doing. That's uh, close to a, a non-dream thought that I had uh, a lot when I was running. When I ran in, in high school. The, the, the mental game I would play was when you're running, you get really tired. Did you ever run? No, no. My, my lady's a runner, but I'm, I'm fascinated by the process. And you were middle distance? It was like cross-country. was only like, you know, uh, 5K is the longest we ever did. Okay. I, I don't know what that qualifies this, But anyway, it was on like trails and stuff. It's not on tracks. Trail running, yeah. Oh, That's easier yeah. on the body. Uh, I don't know about that, but it's certainly better scenery. Um, and you run, and the thing with running, especially when you're a teenager who doesn't want to do anything, is like it's really tiring and you want to stop. <laughs> that sounds stupid, but... That is that is I an totally I totally know that feeling <laughs> it's an overwhelming thing <laughs> yeah. and part of actually running competitively is you, you have to get through that it's like the wall right I mean there's something that just goes like it's every time like like I run the my body. wall you're just lazy button you know running three miles the wall is like at mile 2017 a marathon yeah, 17, or whatever whatever yeah. it is like there's no wall this is just you know it, you know it's you're you don't like running. people don't like running right mm, and there so is, there is no the wall <laughs> and so what I would do whenever I sort of the the thing I would do uh, to get myself to continue to go is very quickly. I would remodel what is going on as I am a little person riding in a vehicle and like kind of like the wrong trousers, you know, the Wallace and Gromit thing. Yeah. That, I, the wrong trousers are like from my belt line down that there is a suit that starts at a belt and has a set of legs that runs and i am merely sitting in it controlling oh the levers, my gosh controlling the levers and making it run you're, and essentially you're, you're just you're just the meat inside of the running part and if you push the lever forward it's wow. going to run until you pull the lever back like there's nothing you can do to stop it you're just along for the ride and it's just a matter right. of adjusting that knob of like should i go at full speed Half speed, three quarters, because there's a certain amount of endurance in in the in the wrong trousers that are running in the leg machine that you don't want them to have it full throttle all the time because they'll break down, and that's all it was. And once you detach yourself from the running part of it. I don't know why my lungs weren't involved because obviously they are physiologically, but once you, once but this you is, feel you know, like John, this is back to your whole mental model thing. Like you found a mental model that worked. It doesn't matter why it worked, but it worked right. Well, and I make, I mean, it makes perfect sense because you want to like uh, you disassociate from the, the pain in your legs. And I guess the pain in your lungs and your heart, like just, just to say like, I am merely, it becomes more of a strategy thing. It's like, I'm merely. it's like a race car driver. I'm driving this machine and the machine has limits and I have to work within them. But at no point do I care. It's like, at no point do I care that, like, oh, well you know, you better stop because it hurts to run. It's like, no, it's just a matter of adjusting the levers to get a good time and to do the best you can do within the limits of your machine and to, to sort of upgrade the machine to get it so that it has higher limits. But it, it disassociates you from, like the, I guess, the opposite of, you know, be the pain or whatever. I always tell my kids to become the itch when they have itchy spots. I'm like, no, you just need to become the itch. That's another thing I do, which is fun. But that's <laughs> this is uh, for myself as well. But the running thing it eventually becomes so onerous you just want to get away from it. it's like i'm there's nothing this is not happening to me. I'm just riding riding a machine, and the machine just runs
0: because and part of that is it's um there's something oh God, I'm avoiding all of those nouns that I hate using um it's it, there's a very natural tendency to overly personalize what's happening to you, right I mean in that case to go like to kind of um surrender. To feeling like kind of overwhelmed, like overtaken by that feeling, and in some ways you're depersonalizing it, right? You're saying you're saying no, that's that's a that's a feeling that I'm having that's different than like who I actually am. If I imagine that there's these not not specifically that you've got techno trousers, but but. Uh, that depersonalizes it. It makes it less you, and it's an external
1: thing that's happening to you. But you can just keep going. It's like an out of body experience, really. because You're disassociating, but but you're still saying associated in, in the same way that you'd be like. It's it's like riding a horse. Like the horse is is going to die if you just run it to death, right? So you have to. the the job of the jockey i don't know nothing about horse racing but anyway like it's a living thing that has limits i don't know if you know anything about horse racing no i'm saying i don't know anything about horse racing and it's a living thing that you understand is a living thing and you'd feel bad if like you broke it or it broke its leg or it felt too tired but if your goal is to do well in the race you have to figure out like how fast should i go like should i go full throttle should i pull back and knowing what your limits are and Now imagine you you are also the horse and it's like, but you're like, no, I'm not the horse. I'm the jockey. Like I can feel bad for the horse. Right. Um, and I, I can try to skillfully, you know, and I would like to sort of the horse upgrade the horse or ride a better horse and make the horse stronger or faster. But it's it's distant. It's not something that's happening to you. Whereas if you are the horse, you feel like oh my god, I'm dying. I need to stop. I just pull over to the that's side of the road. That's pretty good. That's pretty eat, good. Eat some grass and just drink some water and just like lay down on the ground and that would make. And all you could that's what the problem like novice runners have is in the beginning. Any when anyone runs, like they start having talk about turning things over in your mind. All you do is you're turning over your mind how good it would feel to stop. And like all you can think about is like it's like people who are on diets all they can think about is desserts all the time, right? It's right. like, oh, it's going to feel so good to stop running. I just need to stop running now. And you just are slowly talking yourself into slowing down and stopping, like, or not going at, your, at the pace that you're able to go at. Or like, if I just run a little bit slower, this will be so much more comfortable. And you just can't, like, that's running is, the early part of running is just getting past the idea of like, no yeah, there's a lot of things your brain is going to be telling you to do to make yourself more comfortable. All of them make your times worse, right? So just, so get on those techno trousers and uh, figure it out. Just
0: watching the gauges and dials. Everything was chaos. Big white shed that was the fancy part room. Steaks. Worried about paying for customs. Waiter took me backstage at one point I was on a train. The pathways need to be
1: almost completely redone. How much of a difference do you think there really is between these dreams that you write down and the actual experience of being Jonathan Colton, John Roderick, Liz Fair, Amy Mann, (laughs) and Ted Leo traveling across the country? Like, a lot of these things that you're laying out could be actual notes from their day. That's how I like to picture. it. Oh,
0: I don't think of it that way. Um, I don't know. See, I See, I. it's funny. This is a Keatsian thing about keeping these two completely contradictory ideas in your head. Like, on the one hand, I am very open. What was your phrase for it? Like, sleep garbage, brain garbage? What did you call it? Uh, brain garbage. Brain garbage. I'm very open to the idea that this is brain garbage, that what we're seeing here is the, you know the effluence of whatever is going on and i mean i think i think people have talked about this this is not super complicated stuff but basically what's happening when you sleep in part is that your your mind i won't say brain your mind is processing a lot of what's happening it's figuring out what's a story it's figuring out but it's not even something as obvious as like dip, 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 disney movie about your brain is a dead letter office no 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 i'm saying it's much more like ridiculously simple than that which is that there's like like i say there's wires and there's pipes and like I'm open to the idea, but that these are all, like, whatever r- random synaptic garbage. But they're my random synaptic gar- garbage, and that makes it interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, it's you can derive something from it. It's like the, uh, the old Feynman thing, the, the idea that if you, you know, take a uh, take a couple of rocks and you chuck them in a swimming pool, it makes a bunch of waves, and the waves bounce off the walls, and eventually, like, the swimming pool just has a bunch of waves rippling on it, like, like the water has been disturbed, right? Um, in theory and perhaps in practice these days, I don't know, you could look at that swing pool with, like, the turbulent water and back-solve to exactly what fell in the water where, what speed and what, you know, position and velocity of the rocks that fell into the water, right? Uh-huh. It looks just like it's brain garbage. It looks like a bunch of noise, right. but it's deterministic. Like, th- the reason these the waves look, like, chaotic to us are the way they are, precisely the way they are, is because three rocks fell in the water at these angles at these speeds with, you know, and this is what the rocks were made out of. You can back solve. So this brain garbage, it's your brain garbage in that, yes, it's garbage, and it basically looks like static or the waves in the pool, but it's fun to imagine that you could back solve to see what the rocks were, which wow. you can't. You can't. That's, that's a hell of a model. You can't. Like, it's a fun model because it's like, unlike the, the things in the, in the pool, you can't. And, I, and as far as I know, everything I've ever seen about dreams, this is maybe knowledge based in the 80s when I could still watch PBS a lot. Um, <laughs> people have no friggin' idea. Why do you need to sleep? Why do you dream? Right, you know, like all all we know, we we know that it's important. We know that getting
0: rid of it causes problems. Yep. But even with all of that, we don't completely understand what's happening.
1: And the thing is, there probably is, like, there is nothing to know. It's, again, the thing of, like, yeah, but why? Like, they do all these experiments of, like, why do we need sleep? What happens when you don't have it? Really easy to do those experiments. You could do all the sleep deprivation experiments, people who have brain problems, who can't do things, who can't get into REM sleep, and all this. You know, we, we understand so much about it, but, and yet, there's this question that probably not the scientists, but, like, lay people want to know is, like, yeah, but why? Which is... Might as well just, you know, a lot of but why questions actually have no satisfactory answer, and people don't want to think about that. But right. it's like, yeah, but why do we dream? It's, it, you might as well ask, yeah, but why do these waves go in the pool? So oh, someone threw, threw three rocks in, right? Yeah, but yeah. why? Why? Like, it's, there, is, there is no why. It's just the rocks. Yeah, like the German soldier
0: says in uh, Slaughterhouse-Five, why you, why anybody? Well, let me close things out this week. We're running a little bit long with, kind uh, of give you one more? Sure. <laughs> this is from uh, November 2013. I have not thought about this since November. Of 2000. Ready? <clears throat> Drum logo, tower, bib city, large greens.
1: <laughs> is it a city made of bibs?
0: I'm just reading it, John. <laughs> James Bond on motorcycle versus ice skater on narrow ship deck. <laughs> I'm not done. All postal workers on disability drum riser towers endurance missing missing children but funny the wire <laughs> tattered clothes obama off often dark ellie trying to swim under a bridge allentown new york city feelings have a compressor lim- compressor limiter pelted by emotional small arms fire that was all the third one
1: this these notes are terrible they're not they're not illuminating in any way i was thinking like that you were gonna write down and like figure out what's going on right and and, like surround it and instead it's just like it's this is the this is the textual version of brain garbage bib city large greens bib city bib city like is everyone has a bib in the city is it the place where the bibs come from the the, like motor city where they make the bibs is the city
0: made of bibs (sighs) you're so literal man missing children but funny the wire tattered clothes often dark (laughs) Driving in packed cars, sleeping on a couch, often dark. Who? A museum in a dark roller rink. One in Cincinnati.
1: Ice skating on a ship. Probably a Link. Yeah, this is exactly... They're totally going to publish these, you know, after. No, no, Yeah. This is all just me. We're not going to publish this. We'll cut all this out. This is just for you and me. I'm saying, saying like, after, after, you know... Oh. You have your break, and they're going to yeah. be like he seemed. He seemed like he was okay, but then we yeah. found his notebook. <laughs> After they put me away, yeah, they'll release the, the notebook. will exactly, and they'll be like, "Oh, now it all makes sense." Yeah, seemed like such a quiet person. Fancy in Tampa. <laughs> How do you know it was Tampa? Was there a sign? <laughs> I just wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we're done here. I mean, we're, <laughs> sure, we, we, we. I would like to say we made a lot of progress today, but that's not true.